Shut up and sit down. I've got no skills. What do you want to do about it? The day is fine, so I take my bike for a ride. You are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Can you handle it? Listen to find out. I turn on to the road to go downtown. You have no skills and you're a loser! <laughs> Girls only want boyfriends who have great skill. Yeah, the wind in my face and the sound in my ear feels so good. What what would you say you do here? I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Lance Epler. Lance Romance right here in studio. Surprise, surprise. Okay, was not expecting that. Figured that you were on some sort of, I don't know, sandy lake somewhere, or... I've been on a 10-day journey. A journey. (laughs) Journey. (laughs) It's been a magical journey. But I'm back for at least 48 hours. And then okay. I'm headed out again, but okay. we'll we'll get there. As long as you're back here by Monday when we record these I'm, podcasts. I, I made it a point to make it back for Monday so that I could be here live with you, Matt Legrand. It, it does make a difference. stare into your deep it's hard. blue eyes. When I look at the wall, <laughs> I sometimes cry while I'm podcasting and you're gone. And then, you know, the water ruins the microphone. It messes the whole thing up. Uh, Do you know the really, really bad movie, Love Guru? Yeah, oh, kind of yeah. almost looks like the you know like Utah version of love of love <laughs> guru. U- He's like, Utah I've been version. gone for ten days in the Utah desert learning about love, and he comes back, and this is what he. If, if you're trying to this visualize what, what Lance looks like, yep, he's Tanner somewhat, little, a little bit, uh, Not much. yeah, Not Not a lot. yeah, no. All, All right, right. moving that, on. And that voice, you know him and love him, <laughs> Mr. Evan Price. So Lance today. Brings in his his shame that he usually just keeps in the car and tries to oh. hide from us. <laughs> oh. so I, I got nothing on the table. I don't know what you're talking about. All of us are There's drinking uh, sparkling things and all that. Lance, what were you drinking earlier? I just had a Monster Energy drink. That's why I'm so nice flavor. That's why I'm so smooth, <laughs> animated, and <laughs> extra animated. <laughs> Even though I don't really feel the effects of the caffeine, that's what I tell myself. Yeah. Jake is actually drinking a Superberry Brew Doctor over there. I just spotted that. It's a booch. A booch. Yes. That's what Carlos calls it. So. Brew Doctor. Uh, yeah. The booch. Whatever Carlos calls it is correct. <laughs> exactly. Carlos also supplied me with this Fit Aid here. Carlos is basically the only thing that's keeping us on the brink of dehydration. So <laughs> yep. thank you, Carlos. <laughs> Tis right, Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are looking fan frickin tastic today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yep. yep, you can bleep out that, you know, freaking part. Freaking. Uh, freaking Matt, why don't you backpedal for us? Sure, mine will be fast. I think I spent the entire week on Zwift. I mean, <laughs> I w- Did went you outside. Ride outside yesterday? I went outside once. Yeah, I um I went I Send Jake my normal, like, hey, I'm leaving in five. You should have come and ridden with and us then, at Vancouver Lake yesterday. Is that what you guys did? Yeah. Yeah. I just... Or I, Saturday. Yeah. You know, we were doing stuff in the morning, and uh, and it was beautiful out. And it's been mm-hmm. raining. It's been raining all week. And so I was like, I'm going to go ride my bike. Um, but even that ride was boring. I just rode around, did my normal stuff, cruising around. And 
Yeah. The only time I saw anyone to ride with was on Zwift. I saw Jake a couple of times. And I think he's mad about the last podcast when I was like, the Maddie Wick comment when I was like, hey, should I ride with Jake or should I? Met? Who's going to drop me? And then, you know, so anyway, so every time I've seen him on Zwift, he's dropped me pretty much immediately. I hadn't seen you one time this week. <laughs> yeah, I was Not on even, there. I didn't even see, no. I was on there and then I give you a no, thumbs you up and then you're gone. That's <laughs> Did how you it not goes. choose the ride with option? Well, I do that, but then it gives you like five seconds of time with oh, the person. Does, yeah. And then, you know, you have to either push up over 100 watts <laughs> or <laughs> fall off the pace. And I chose fall off, fall off the group. You have to push mm. well uh, into zone five. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Tough choices. Um, but yeah. I'm sorry, Matt. And I swam a couple times and ran a couple times. My little cul-de-sac did this. Like, um, we did. We I don't know. We have like all these people that are kind of buddies that are all neighbors, and we all hang out all the time. But they decided to do this like charity 5K thing in the cul-de-sac. Yeah. Well, usually we do like loops around the cul-de-sac, which is ridiculous. It's like 16 loops to a mile. 16 laps to a mile. Yeah. I remember. You remember that? And uh, we actually ventured out of the cul-de-sac for the 5K. So you guys do like uh, 52 laps for a 5K? We didn't. Usually we'll do that if we're doing like a mile or two miles or something. We need to stay close. But this was a 5K. We ventured out of the cul-de-sac. We did our charity 5K, uh, which was super fun. And um, yeah, ran a couple times. Uh, Took the kids to the skate park yesterday, ran around the skate park. Nice. I mean, this is just what you do when you're a dad, I think. When you have kids at that age where you have to kind of like watch them, you just... Two loops. Right. Right. Yeah. So pretty embarrassing for my kids, but that's <laughs> it, what I'm here for. They really should put more skate parks just in the middle of tracks. Yes. And then you could just do your repeats there. That should be a thing. That should be, be amazing. Still on pace for your uh, dialed 100? Yeah. What number are we on? Uh, today will be 41. 41? 41. 41 today. <laughs> so I did 40 yesterday. It was 40. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Good for you. That's good. All right. So if I help. Creeping get, up to the halfway point. That's getting. Don't they say that it takes 40 days to create a habit? I don't know. Something along Whoever those lines. Whoever they are. Yeah. They is Jake, I, believe I, him. I can't remember. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> I think it was 60 days, isn't it? I, I think it's 40. Six. Is it 40? Yeah. yeah. 40, 40 seems easier. I think they say 41. I, like 40. I think people say 41. <laughs> I think they say 41. <laughs> <laughs> so don't do it today, Matt. I think they said habits end at 41 days. I think yeah. that's how it goes. I'm missing the tour. I'm missing watching the tour. That's been hard. We yeah, still true. had a good racing weekend, at least, but I'm now I'm really going to miss things. I'm going to find out what happened in the races on this podcast. There's racing coming up. Next, there is. The Vuelta there is starts. Vuelta. There's, there's racing uh, every week. weekend from yep. now till Yep. Whenever. Is it on the NBC app that I've been using, the Vuelta? No idea. I, no idea? Okay. I, I have no idea I either. We'll find out. I believe it is. I think it is. I yes. think you're right, but I, I can't tell you for sure. Where, I got that what, cycling pass. When did the Giro get shoved to? I, I October 3rd to October. End of October. Sean okay. Martin just put on the Dialed Cycling Team page a cool little like PDF calendar of what's coming up. Oh, because I was trying to keep track, and now I'm like, I don't know. I feel like it, it's like yeah. you know, Giro Stage Twelve and the you know Perry Roubaix could be on the same day for all <laughs> I know. I don't even know, but yeah. it'll be interesting. Fantastic, Evan backpedal. So, uh, we had a. I well, had a pretty fun week. I I just decided after the Ironman from last week just to kind of train by feel. I was just talking with Matt. I have no idea what's an appropriate amount to train or not train right now. So when I feel good, I'm training hard. And when I don't want to, I'm just not training. Yeah. I feel like things like track workouts and things like that maybe should be. I decided not to track workout this to a morning. Minimum. I wanted to real maybe bad. Maybe even a couple weeks. I know that sounds yeah. crazy. But no, I think, I think you're right. I, I think that stuff beats you up. Yeah. I, I was going to this morning that me and Josh both decided we're like, eh. No. Good. I'm just, glad Josh is there too to kind yeah. of help. Like 400 yeah. repeats, probably not a good idea today. So. 
But riding the bike hard is fun. So on Saturday, <laughs> I'm trying to give especially the, the younger juniors a little bit of like race feel this year in their training because they've had a serious lack of race feel, these poor kids. So on Saturday morning, we went out to Frenchman's Bar, met up, and just did a hard group ride there where it's split up into Cassie Road with Maddie. And we're going to – hopefully that, that girls' group will, will, will grow here soon. I think there's, you know – couple that, that want to join that group, which will be fun. And uh, we basically did loops like we did for the triathlon the, the, the weekend before, but it, it works out to a nice little race simulation. So like we'll practice pace lining and technique going out to the stop sign or stoplight at mill plane and then coming back we just open up and the kids wrestling like, what, what do we do? I was like, just race. Like, what does that mean? I'm like, just race, go hard. And I told him, I was like, you can try to break away from the group, but there's this, a group of seven are you going to be working to bring you back? So you got to be careful. So it was me, Sean Martin, Nels Martin. Oh, that's a cool group. Big Martin, little Martin, uh, a, a kid named Adam, who is riding with us a bunch now and is just Adam. I heard that he's, he's a little was, beast. That was the longest ride that he'd stunned yeah. to date. And he hung in there with he everybody. Hung, And I am, I'm not exaggerating. I mean, we were not going, Easy. this was not like, Oh, let's learn how to race. Uh, no, yeah, I, was, I heard you're sitting on the front with about 360, 350 watts. I was, I was taking and- a 20 minute FTP test basically like <laughs> with, I was, I was joking with Dave. I was like, that's the worst kind of FTP test. I was holding 350 and had to spike up randomly to 500, 600 as the kids would try to take <laughs> flyers gaps, off yeah. the front. Were you on your road bike or road bike? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to, I was joking with David. I'm like, I'm just trying to use any fitness I have from that Ironman just to go fast for a little bit. Cause it's fun, but it's fun for the, for, for the kids. It's good. Cause they really have to be smart and realize, okay, if I'm trying to get away from a group that's moving, especially for draft legal racing, this is how much it takes out of my legs. Mm-hmm. So they're getting a feel for that, that bike racing, which, you know, Elijah really enjoyed. Um, Nels is just a little beast. He's so strong. And Adam was, it's, it's great to see a kid who was telling me before he's like, I really haven't done any group riding before and goes out there and <laughs> not only was he strong he knew how to hang in yeah he was right on wheels he would follow wheels at the right time like sean was telling because sean was watching him a little bit more he's like he wasn't squirrely at any point so it's good practice it's it's hard to simulate that stuff without just doing it sometimes yeah. and it's good to see that they they're, they're doing it yep that's awesome yeah sean was we were talking yesterday we went, mm-hmm. did a ride together and he uh he mentioned how well the kids were doing how strong they were yeah great bike handling skills because they're all getting to that age where they're like 16 17 18 19 that age range where all of a sudden they're strong like they're strong they're fast fast now yeah Yeah. i mean when when you're 18 years old you're fast so elijah's got a good little sprint that is for sure yep yeah but yeah it was a lot of fun we did that and then sunday i just ran long and then i lifted wow yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I've been doing plyometric training each week, but I was like, I need to actually lift. Where did you lift at home or? <laughs> yeah, we have a, a Melissa, our roommate got a Olympic lifting bar. So okay. we're just doing circuits at How home. How far did you stuff. go for your long run? Power cleans? Like 12 miles, I think. Okay. That sounds good. Clean yeah. and jerk? Yeah. Clean and jerk. Snatches. Deadlifts. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Deadlifts will be important for me. I need to work on my functional <laughs> hamstring length. It's functionally not awesome. awesome. So, yeah. But yeah, that was it. That's the week. Boom. Don't. Love guru Lance Hepler. Yeah. Love <laughs> guru. What's up, dude? What have you well, been up to? Where you been? Um, I've been around. Uh, <laughs> no, you haven't. <laughs> I did 18 hours last week. Get this. I did 12 rides last week. Jeez. So, which ones do you want to hear about? Oh, my God. I did 12 different rides in the last seven days. Jeez. And I already rode this morning. But I did 12 rides. 
Do you want to hear about uh, mountain biking on Antelope Island with the buffalo, the uh, 23-mile climb on the road bike, uh, mountain biking in um, Park City along the Wasatch Crest. Where did you um, find a 23-mile climb? Uh, riding um, on a dry lake bed, uh, buttery gravel in uh, uh, Harney County, Oregon, near Burns. I got too many things to talk about. What do you guys want to hear? Oh Pick God. your Stop two favorite flexing rides. Us, dude. Oh. Stop flexing on I'm all... just flexing here. Look what at all your... the riding I what did. What was your favorite ride? We all Start hate with you that. so much. Ooh, this, this one looks... I'm trying to find that climb that you did. Okay, so I'll, I'll talk about the climb. I was yeah. on I was on a road ride, me and my wife, yep. and um, a buddy of mine, Steve, in the area of Eden, Utah. I think which, I saw pictures. Which yeah. is oh, Torveen and Huntsville. Yeah, which oh. is uh, Huntsville. You know, did you know that I grew up in Huntsville, but different Huntsville in Alabama? <laughs> Huntsville, Alabama. Do they have Huntsville, a 24 mile climb Alabama. in Huntsville, Alabama? Uh, they have a pretty good little climb because you've got the Appalachian Mountains kind of. Oh, like you do. Yeah, there. Huntsville. Okay, so there's some climbing. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> biked. I don't know if I've biked much in Huntsville ever. Yeah. So I got to go back and do that. So Huntsville Eden is just, it's the, in the valley right near Ogden, Utah. Okay. I've got a buddy who lives there, Steve Waldrop. Um, He's like a politician, isn't he? He is a state legislature. There you go. Uh, member in the state of Utah. Um, he, we went to college together, so I've known him since he was young and dumb. So it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, he is tall. Yeah, he's six nine. I think. Oh, oh my six, god! Yeah. Wow. Holy. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I'm looking at pictures that you are dwarfed yeah. by this yeah. man. So whenever I take a picture with him, I actually squat down so it looks even more ridiculous. <laughs> That's such a good idea. <laughs> what bike frame does he ride? Like a seventy-eight? What is he? It's like? stupid. He's so tall. Um. Anyway, Huntsville. Huntsville Eden is always a part of the tour of Utah every year. Yeah. And they have a couple of great rides. I was out riding with Steve and my wife. We were planning to do like 30 miles. Steve had a um, event he had to get to for his campaign, so he bailed early. Um, my wife and I started heading up this canyon, and I said, Brandy, I'm just going to go kind of hard to the top of this climb, and um, you can turn around where you, when you want. I did not know... That the climb was 23 miles long. <laughs> Good God, when does this end? I kept coming around the corner going, this, I can't see mountains beyond this. It's, it's got to be ending right here. And I'd get around the corner, nope. So I'd go another mile and come around another corner. Oh, nope, that's not the end of the climb. Go around the corner, no, nope. Wow. And it, it went for 23 miles. It was like, like 4,000 feet of climbing. Jeez. So you guys went to the oldest bar in Utah? The oldest bar in Utah, the Shooting Star. You which seem you- like a guy that probably find every bar in Utah. <laughs> yeah. You you look like a guy like somebody would find in a bar in Utah right. <laughs> and have the, to take home. It's in the town of Huntsville. It's still the original building. It was there in like 1870-something. Um, the ceiling is covered with dollar bills yeah, this looks that have been oh, stapled to the picture, ceiling. Yeah. And people sign sign the dollar bills, and they you staple it to the ceiling. And so it's... Well, all we did was walk in and take pictures and walk out. If they ever get into financial trouble, do you think they're just going to unstaple all the dollar bills I, up there? It, or? It's like an institution in Huntsville, which gotcha. is 98% Mormon, so I don't know why there's a... <laughs> I don't think they're going to financially struggle at any point. Yeah. Bar gets tons of business. Wait a minute. Yeah, how does that work out? Everybody goes alone. It's okay to drink alone, but if you're with a buddy, you can't drink if you're Mormon. Never mind. That's an inside joke. Okay. So <laughs> I'm like, you're, I'm like looking at you all confused. I'm like, wait, what? I was, was going to 100% believe. 
believe that when he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, I, I did this huge climb. I got in huge trouble because I it took me way long. I was gone way longer than I was supposed to. Yeah. I, was Brandon going to kill you? Yeah. Not only that, I took one bottle of water with me. Yeah. I had oh, no food. Time. No, that's smart. Because uh, I was <laughs> only planning on like 30 miles. And then yep. I started up this climb and I'm like, well, I'll yeah, just start go the bonky, to the top. just turn around and go downhill, right? Uh, yeah, right. And no, I, I never like, really did. I actually felt pretty good. So I got like two sips left in this bottle. Should yeah. be good. I kept oh. thinking, I'll find somewhere with water. Nope. <laughs> that's backcountry Utah. There's nobody no, there with water. There's there's one bar. Yeah. Clearly, there's one. Well, that, that was at the bottom. That was yeah, in Huntsville. There you go. That's that the last water stop. So, anyway. That was that was a great road ride. I had a good time. Uh, which other ride do you want to hear about? You got a Utah your favorite ride. Oh my gosh, there was so many. You got to pick one. You got to you got to. You went salt flats. Here. You were rode, you rode on the okay, salt flats. I did, What's, cool. did you go like super fast? Did you break any land speed records? <laughs> I did not. Um, Why not? Because um, we were like traveling and we just stopped at the Bonneville salt flats because. It, it's it. We were we were going through Southern Oregon, Northern Nevada on our way back. We went back, came back a different way, and it's past the Bonneville Salt Flats. And I thought I gotta go check out the Speedway, you know, where they do all the break the land speed records. How smooth is that, or is it something you feel a little sketchy on? No, it is butter flat smooth. Where the actual racetrack is, it is butter smooth. How wide is? I how mean, did like, they keep it that way? How long can you just ride out there? I have, Zamboni out there, like. 40 miles? 40 miles. I don't know. I don't know how long it is. So why, the, why isn't there a bike race out there? That'd be awesome. It, because the salt eats your bike. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so there's the Bonneville Salt Flats and there's the Bonneville Speedway. The Bonneville Salt Plat Fats. I can't even speak. <laughs> salt Plats. The Bonneville Salt Flats has all these crusted things. Yeah. I, I, I posted some pictures about that. And that spot is really cool, but not good for riding. Where the speedway is, it is just, it's like concrete, hard, smooth. So again, how do they keep it that way? I don't think, it just stays that way. I don't know. Is that the Bonneville Zamboni out there? I don't think there's a Zamboni. I'm not sure. So, okay, so why didn't you get Brandy in the Sprinter? You get on your bike and just have her floor it. Just you get behind the wheel and just draft that thing. You see how fast she sounds like a horrible idea. That's fantastic. Do you, do you dislike Lance? You I want to see him get hurt? That. I don't know. Oh. It, it was... It, there He's were, got a lot of practice. I got faith in him. <laughs> there were tense <laughs> moments in there when we were at the salt flats, so we didn't stay long. Oh. Rut <laughs> <laughs> roll. <laughs> yeah. Because I really wanted to be there, and, and Brandy was done. Brandy, Brandy was done. So, <laughs> so we didn't It doesn't stay. seem like there's much to see here. It seems very flat. Yeah, it's-, it's Like the definition of flat. Yeah, completely flat. Is you there saw a buffalo going either way? So what, um, that was a different place called Antelope Island. Antelope Island is a is a a landlocked island in the middle of the Great okay. Salt Lake. So real quick, Diesel Brothers. Yeah, Diesel Brothers. Don't they have some like giant van that has got monster truck? T- not van. It's a school bus with like monster truck tires that they have like that they built go for out somebody there? out there. They built it for somebody that takes it out there and does tours. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, I have no idea. But I'm not sure if it's out there right now. I just remember watching an episode of that with my son, and and they went that, out to Antelope Island. Yeah, they're out cruising around, like giving people tours and stuff. <laughs> it's like a it's a school bus with monster truck tires on it. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> so Antelope Island's a cool spot. It's it's this island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake. Um, it, it's it's landlocked. There's a there's a it's like a seven mile causeway that uh-huh. was built that goes across the lake to get out to it. Uh-huh. So you can people ride their 
their road bikes out there all the time. Actually, the tour of Utah last year, two years ago, they had a stage that started out there and came back Interesting across the causeway. But there are great mountain bike trails out there. So I'm with my buddy Jason Woodland. He's like, have you ever ridden mountain bikes out at uh, Antelope Island? I'm like, uh, no. And he's like, okay, that's what we're doing. So we go out there. People don't usually ride during um, the summer because the bugs are thick. We were not prepared for that. I got bit by maybe 50 mosquitoes during this <laughs> ride. And for some reason, the mosquitoes liked my hindquarters. <laughs> through the kit? Not, through not the ju- kit. It's not just the mosquitoes that like your hindquarters. <laughs> oh, those deep baby blue eyes. Wait, so, <laughs> so you're telling me they got on top of your That's, britches and they went through them? Correct. That's like two layers because if you, you know, the kits that we use yeah. have like a double layer correct. in the butt. That's right, folks. You heard the word britches. Britches. Yeah. Britches. <laughs> So, well, because that, I mean, that, that that's like amazing. I mean, they, they were actually able to get through them. I, when I got out of the van and I started to get attacked, yeah, I, I sprayed my legs and arms and face with bug spray. I didn't spray my butt. It was covered by lycra, so I didn't think about that. My it's butt lycra. got eaten alive. <laughs> it got eaten alive. Well, I wonder also if, if you're... If you're biking and you're moving fast, they don't want to be on your front because there's too much wind. So right. they're like, look at this nice spot right back Correct. here. They Hide just from like the wind. They drafted. Nice juicy butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> right I didn't even realize it until like two days later. I'm taking a shower in my, in my buddy's house. Yep. And I turn around and look in the mirror. And it looks like I got chicken pox on my butt. We'll, we'll post I, pictures. I got bit so many times. I'm like, follow the Instagram, okay. follow the dial, dial podcast, Instagram channel. We'll post pictures. Uh, <laughs> I'm just doing too much. Dial okay. podcast after dark. It's <laughs> 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 mosquito ridden. <laughs> uh, that is coming. The, the cool part about Antelope Island is there are wild bison on the island. There's buffalo on the island because um, they introduced like a dozen buffalo out there um, like a hundred years ago to try to help Bring them back. Bring them back. Yep. And they're, they're, now there's a couple hundred buffalo that just stay on the island. That's cool. They're wild. They roam around, whatever. Um, we ran across them. They were We were climbing a trail, and there was 30 of them in front of us. And they Is all scary? It, they all just ran away from us. Okay. They, it, we were on bikes. They saw us coming, and they just moved away from us. So They're um, huge. They're yeah, like Huge. 900 pounds or something. It's, yeah, yeah, and they can run like, like what, 40 miles an hour pounds, or something yeah. crazy like that? It's yeah. ridiculous. They would They're, for sure chase you down if they wanted, right? Yeah, if they wanted. So yeah. you have to like keep your distance. I did get some pictures, and the pictures I got were from the safety of my van, not yeah, on out bike. on my bike because <laughs> I didn't want to get – I didn't want to upset them. And Anyway. No. So that the mountain bike riding out there was phenomenal. I just ripped a – there, there was a downhill gravel descent that I averaged like 38 miles an hour on, on my mountain bike, because nice. it was just ripping fast. Oh my gosh, I had a great time. How did you like the Kush cores out there? Um, I did a whole lot of very difficult downhill mountain biking uh-huh. over the last week. Never had a single issue with the Kush cores. Matter of fact, I was in Bend yesterday. I'm not even, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I hate you. So much. <laughs> yeah, I was in Bend yesterday and did like a twenty mile descent um, from up near Bachelor back into Bend on my mountain bike on some trails, and all the downhill sections I went a minute and a half to two minutes faster. Oh wow! Because I was on the Cush cores, I wasn't as worried about pinch flats. Mm. I could I ran lower 
um, tire pressure. Oh my gosh, the crush cores were like just just made me more confident. I'm Not looking good. forward to it. I ordered some, and we've got some coming into the lab, and I'm going to probably have to slap those in my gravel bike and possibly the mountain bike as yep. well. Wow. For people who don't know, the Cush cores are inserts that go inside your tubeless tires to help prevent pinch flats and allow you to run lower pressure so that um, you have a better, smoother, faster ride. Cool. Yeah. They are difficult to install. But so they cost here. more than marshmallows. We established that. <laughs> we did establish that. They're that's, like that's what, that's what I've been bucks. using. But basically the same thing. But basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, that was that ride. Um, uh, we we I, there's too much. Okay, two more rides I want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> we went to this place called the Alvor Desert, okay. which is near the Steens Mountain Wilderness in southeastern Oregon. So again, out in the middle of nowhere. There is a 20-mile by 7-mile dry lake bed. Okay, yeah. I saw pictures. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. called the Alvor Desert. It's not salt. It's dirt. It is dead flat and rock solid. So people rip around there as well. So my wife and I, we, we drove there. I just stopped the van out in the middle of the desert, and we just rode our bikes, like our gravel bikes, around the desert. And it was like... 20, there were 25 mile an hour winds, so wow. going upwind was extremely difficult. Going downwind was a blast. But that Jeez. was a very cool spot to kind of camp and hang out for the day and the night and to just ride bikes. People are out there riding motorcycles, and they're they're doing cookies in their... It was, it was cookies great. or donuts? Donuts. Okay. Whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't, you went like this with your hand on your I didn't even some think pastries about it. out there. They're doing pastries. They're doing pastries. donuts. Okay. They're doing croissants out there. A couple bagels. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a very cool spot. One that I I, I picked that up from a buddy I, I uh, follow on Strava. He'd ridden there like a week before. And so I thought, oh, that's on the way. I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, and it's worth it. We loved it. It was very cool. Which spot are you going back to? All of them? Um, maybe. But to be continued the other last ride i want to talk about <laughs> is um we were in burns oregon which okay. is in uh harney county mm-hmm. i think that's how you say it burns is like two hours from bend it's two hours yeah. east of bend middle of nowhere middle of nowhere yeah. Yeah. a tiny little town um my wife had a zoom meeting like a two-hour zoom meeting she had to do so we had to bust it from the desert to burns so that we were we had good enough signal, and she got on the Zoom meeting, and I said, I'm just going to go ride. I went on a ride with GPS, um, found a circular route that was gravel-based, and realized it was the race course for a race that was called the Skull Creek Gravel something, Skull Creek 120, I think it was called. Okay. Regardless. They, they've done the race the last couple years. 120 miler. This must have been a long Zoom call your wife was on. <laughs> I only did the like 30 mile section. There's right. a 30 mile loop I did out there on gravel roads. It was phenomenal. The roads were just amazing. I, the, the clouds were great. The weather was great. There was a little bit of wind. Oh my gosh. I would just, I rode for like two and a half hours with a giant smile on my face the, the whole way. So. <laughs> It was, and you rode this morning. I rode this morning. Um, yeah, I, I'm do. I'm back on the training plan, doing some uh, interval sets. So like 365 because, days left. Well, there's. Um, <laughs> it's coming there's, down to on it. your training plan. <laughs> there, there's a potential for some races coming up for me, and so the weather's good here now. Yeah, so it's good that you're back on time. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
So 350 days left. Yeah. It's time to really hone in that training <laughs> to race specific yeah, intervals. I actually, <laughs> I actually did. I did. Uh, I did seven by 12 minute sweet spot. Um, seven by 12 minute sweet spot intervals. T- this that morning. sounds awful. Yeah. I was seven listening to the Trainer Road podcast. It's like an hour online. and a half at sweet spot. Yeah. Well, God, that's awful. It felt great this morning. I am feeling cool. great. You need to start thinking about like your recovery days in between Shut your up. interval days. <laughs> I had I, the downhill mountain bike ride yesterday. That yeah. was my recovery ride. Yeah. Yeah. You kept it easy. Well, it's downhill. <laughs> I mean, there were there, there was only a thousand feet of climbing. I bet you, if you look at peak wattage from yesterday's ride, I rode a, I rode a bike without a uh, power meter, so I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah. per, well, Strava will calculate it anyway. <laughs> well, Estimated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough of me. It was too much. Good I job. got more. Wait, I got one more. Right? No, I'm just kidding. Got <laughs> stories for days. I got so many stories. Good, Jake. Jake. How do I follow that? I'm sorry, Swift. I rode my bike. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, we did a little team ride again. It's um, getting very, very close to being done for the year for us being able to do that just because we don't have enough light. Yep. So um, we might be able to squeeze one more in, but you're kind of hitting that threshold where people just can't get there in time. But we were still able to get out there and do it this past week, and we went out and had a blast. We had a, a decent little group show up, and um, everybody did some work, and everybody had fun, and, yeah, doing it again hopefully this week. Love it. Those are um, Wednesdays? <clears throat> we normally do them on Wednesdays, but this past Wednesday it was pretty rainy here, so we moved, moved it, it up to Tuesday and um, tuesday night world championships exactly and we started mm-hmm. at about 5 30 and okay. we got back and there was just enough light left where everybody was good and i told people to bring yeah. a light just in case and people did turn them on when we were coming back because it was starting to a little bit darker up but i need to buy a light what do you guys suggest the garmin one i, I love like the, the garmin, garmin one yeah yeah i think it's pretty good it, can, um, it connects to your um to your head unit yeah a garmin head unit and so you can there's a setting on it where it gets brighter the faster you go and as you like, if you come to a stoplight, it um, it dims enough to help preserve battery. battery. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Smart. Smart light. Yeah. And then rode on Zwift for the rest of the week, and then Saturday, um, I'm like, I'm gonna go ride my gravel bike. And I was one of those days where I just didn't know when I was gonna be able to go out and ride, so I just, you know, said we're gonna go ride the gravel bike because I'm not gonna be on the road with uh, by myself because I usually like to try and ride with somebody. That's kind of that promise I made to my wife. So I'm like, all right, I'll just go ride on the gravel bike. Um, jumped out, got on the road, rode down to the, the west end of the Heritage Trail, and I looked over, and I'm like, oh, there's some cyclists. And then I see a dial kit, and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> it was uh, Brian Wise and Sonia Ebert, and oh. then um, Sean and Danny Styles were there too. So I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're just getting ready to go for a gravel ride. I'm like, that's cool. Where are you guys going? They were doing the exact <laughs> same ride I was doing. I'm like, do you guys mind if I tag along? So it was kind of oh, That's nice. cool. You had some people to ride with. Yeah, it was fun. So we went out and um, just rode all over the place, and that was fun. And then on Sunday, Sean Martin put together this beautiful ride up in the Woodland Yakult area. It's a big, giant loop. There's some roads that I've done before. As a matter of fact, there were some roads that I did with you not too long ago, sure. maybe like two or three months ago, just going the other direction. Amboy, Yakult. Amboy. Um, yeah, because that's kind of like the Woodland. part of the rack route. There's, right? there's, there's like there's pieces of it. You know? Peels off. That's so yeah. cool because that's a beautiful part of the rack route. That ride is freaking awesome. Did you drive up there and start. Yeah. Okay. I just started horseshoe bike. To horseshoe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. In Woodland. Yeah. Yeah. So what was nice about that for somebody like me, Mr. Rollier over here, is there's no long sustained climbs. Yeah. Like all the climbs mm-hmm. are like, I mean, I think the longest climb right. was maybe like two minutes or something like that, three minutes. They're punchy up there. There's a couple yeah. punchy. So it's a really mm-hmm. good place to go work on like some interval work. Yeah. Anyway, it was 55, it was almost 55 miles. Um, mm-hmm. And we finished it in about 
three hours. Uh, it was myself, Sean, and Ian. And I nice. kind of just went out there and I, I, I tried to sit on the front as long as I could. I just wanted to drain the batteries, if you will, yeah. and finish the three-hour ride. And I felt like I could have gone for another hour. Wow. But after three hours, That's my good. normalized power was 305. So I, it was it was pretty <laughs> good. Similar. Similar to mine. <laughs> yes. So, so mine was 35. Minus, <laughs> minus 205 for that. And you're right at Matt's right, point. Right there. <laughs> so legs are feeling good. Um, yeah. You know, the, the shoulders still kind of bother me a little bit uh, on some of the climbs, but I mm-hmm. think that's just that uh, the cartilage in there that needs to yeah. be molded. Evan and I are working on that. Yeah. Evan's going to make everything better, right, Evan? <laughs> right? Doing, no doing right. my best. Doing my best. <laughs> so no, Jake just put more power through the bike now. That shoulder's having to deal with more and more and more power, yeah. especially on a punchy climb like that, too. Yeah, that's good, though. Yeah. It was fun. We were all uh, pretty done at the end of that and got home and almost felt like I'd go for another ride, but said did, like, yard work and all that other stuff. So, But, yeah, that was a week. Um, it was another fun one. We're going to have an absolutely beautiful week this week it's gonna be like high 70s low 80s sunny um you know the the time is starting to to be fleeting from us um Mm -hmm. so i'm hoping that i can maybe sneak out of the lab a little bit this week maybe i can change the hours from like blow off work today let's go (laughs) just tell people the bikes can wait we'll start like two hours earlier and finish two hours earlier so you know maybe anyway uh that was my week and it was a fun one how about some lead out news hold on a second here hey champ oh champ Champ. is he here come here champ Chip Bailey right here in the house. <laughs> in studio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jake, Jake has oh, a new yeah. fun board over here now. That's right. There's gonna be, we should talk about the new road podcast, whatever. Roadcaster yeah. Pro. Roadcaster Pro. Mm-hmm. Stop to dial it in. If this sounds a little funny to you guys, it's probably why, but yeah. um, it's got so many cool little features to it. I like, can't wait to play with it. And it's going to be the, a lot of fun. Where's the laugh track for all my fantastic jokes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a great joke, Lance. That was good. Oh, man. Oh, oh, Lance. Yes. Crowd loves it. This guy. This guy. In, in studio, audience loved that one. Okay, so lead out All news. Right. We're going to go. We're, we're done. See okay. Ya. <laughs> Thanks for playing. I like our intro and outro music. I've always liked it. Yep, it's good stuff. Stick with it. All right. Yeah. What you got? Okay. First, first thing, there was a mountain bike race in Bend, Oregon. Um, the Oregon uh, 24 hour. So 12 and a 24. There right? was a 12 and a 24 hour. Yeah. Um, uh, Brandy and I actually busted back to Bend and we went by the race to see some of our teammates who were racing, which was great. Uh, the Westerfield, the whole Westerfield clan was out there racing Good. and Eric Taft yep. was also racing. And Eric actually took fourth in his age division. So good, good job, for him. Eric. He, good job, he Eric. did, it, it was, it was an 11 mile loop. Uh-huh. And you just did as many loops as you could in 12 hours. And I think um, he managed seven loops for like 76 miles, I yep. think is what he did. I wow. know his goal was 100 miles. Um, he thought that was a little bit out of reach, but that's pretty stinking close. It, it was cold. It was like really? It was like 38, 40 degrees up there because this oh, was near Mount Bachelor cool. in Bend. So that was great. I don't know how the Westerfields did, actually, um, but I, I did see that whole clan out there. So that was cool. fun to go by that race and see what was happening um but the big news this week were the uci world championships in imola in imola italy it was supposed to be in uh switzerland but switzerland was closed they they like to stay neutral on those things (laughs) so So they decide to stay neutral and not do anything they They decide to close yeah and so they moved the race to imola italy where there is a uh, formula one racetrack i believe um, yep. 
and so um, there were the, there was a men's time trial, women's time trial, women's road race, men's road race. And I they believe. cut all the juniors and U twenty three races, which would usually be there. Yeah, they which only, was a shame, but that's okay. They only did the pro races. They only did the the seniors. Yeah. So men's time trial, um, pretty quite stinking amazing. It was won by Filippo Ganna. Filippo Ganna who averaged almost 33 miles an hour. He has Ooh. the most aero position since Chris Boardman, in my opinion. Yeah. That, anybody look at him riding that? That dude's back is like his top tube. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. There, there's, he is so tucked in, so, and his quads are massive. I mean, the guy's just like, you, you look at him and you're like, I bet he goes quick in a time trial, and he does. Guess, Wout. Who, guess who got second? Wout. Wout. Wout Van Aert. Pol- yep. Got that up there and took second. Amazing, freaking amazing. Wow, was disappointed though. Yeah, he was he very was, disappointed. He was with hoping that. to win. He he yeah. lost by twenty six seconds. Yeah, and he um, gave credit where credit was due, but yeah. he was disappointed because he, he wanted that. He wanted well, that bad. and Ghana has been that that was Ghana's thing. Like he yeah. he was going just for the time trial. So I think with all the things Wout has been doing to just jump into that time trial and only be twenty some seconds off Ghana is incredible. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, third was uh, Stefan King, the Swiss rider. Kong, yeah. Um, any questions about who, where anybody else finished? Rohan G, Dennis. G had a good race. Uh, G was fourth. Had a yep. great race, yeah. Geraint Thomas was fourth. That's Rohan Dennis. interesting, considering the fact that he didn't ride the tour. Yep. Being fourth. And this is incredible. It, the fact that shape. he beat Rohan, Rohan is is a big deal, in my opinion, because that's know. an impressive ride from G. Defending champion Rohan um, took fifth. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. kind of interesting. Um, the women's uh, time trial. That uh, was a bummer. There was some serious excitement and not in a good way in that yeah, race. There yeah. were, there's two things to talk about. It was won by Anna. Well, I, can't, I don't have her name pulled up. It's Dutch names. It's very, very it's hard the, to pronounce. It's the I Dutch know. lady that just rips. Yeah. Anyway, Anna, I, I'm now, I sound like an idiot. Look it up, Evan, while I'm talking. I'm, I'm, I'm Anna. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm the, the, the Dutch pronunciations of the names I was butchering too when I was, trying to explain to anyway so um she crushed the field um we were really hoping that chloe Digert, the american uh from boise idaho was going to repeat Uh as world champion winning she was winning at the time handedly wasn't she handedly winning was coming around a corner lost control just a little bit and hit a guardrail flipped over the guardrail landed in the bushes down beneath and she ripped her quad open a la Woot, Wout, Wout, Van Art, kind Thank of like Wout. God, that wasn't worse. If you've seen also amazing bike handling by her in the sense that I I think it, it almost looks like she hit car oil or something because her front wheel starts to go yeah. and then it flats. Oh. She still somehow has control of the bike as the front wheel's going nuts. Right. Uh-huh. And then she just, she, she can't make the turn because she's going like 30 miles an hour yeah. into this turn. And just bails perfectly. I mean, she rolls along the guardrail as best she can, but I wonder if her front wheel went flat. It's so I think she slipped. Hit something. Huge, oh, I yeah. think she hit something, slipped, then went flat. Because when they go into slow motion, you can tell she's now sliding carbon when she was trying to control the bike. She said that she hit the guardrail, flipped over. Her first thought was. Can I still get my bike and win yeah. the race? Yeah. <laughs> and then she looked down and saw that her quad was filleted open, and yeah. she's like, uh, she's tough no. as nails. Yeah. But uh, so uh, the, the the winner was Anna. Anna Vanderbregen. Vanderbregen. Yep. Vanderbregen. I, I just found it. So it's like it's like like Jake's name, which is like 
Vander, and then just just fill in some words after. Just put a bunch of vowels after. <laughs> Too many vowels. Yep. A lot of Dutch vowels. So kind of exciting there. Um, the uh, road race, the women's road race. Guess who it was won by? I'll give you one guess. Anna Vandenbrink. There you go. <laughs> she won double world champion. She who basically won. had to break away from her Dutch teammate, who was kind of chasing her down. Yeah. If you saw the race, or like it basically became which Dutch rider's going right. to beat who. So. Pretty amazing. The men's road race um, was actually amazing to watch. I get, got home late last night, and I ended up watching it for hours. Um it was like 280 kilometers. 160 so miles. 160 mile 17, race. 17,000 feet of climbing. Out of that Jeez. 280 kilometers, the first 265 kilometers were terribly boring. The last 50 <laughs> kilometers was amazing if you watched any of it. Did you watch it, Jake? I haven't had a chance to watch it. How many guys lined up in that race? It was huge. I, I don't know. It must have been ballpark idea. A hundred and fifty. Okay, so about the same, close to the same size of like the number of guys that go into a tour. Yeah, it, gotcha. it, it was big. Um, lots of lots of people there, mm-hmm. but um, the the Dutch team, pardon me, the Belgian team was working very hard for Wout. Uh-huh. Um, um, the including Greg van Avermaet and and all these people, uh, Tajay. Uh, Pogaccia was working very hard for Roglic, hoping that Roglic could do well. Mm-hmm. Um, with with about 40k to go, that was really the first big move. Yeah. Was Pogaccia going? And this climb, the profile was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's it went like 14. percent Yeah, well, actually, I think it ends on like a 20 percent pitch. There, there's something ridiculous at the end. Yeah. So Pogaccia, with like 40k to go, goes um, trying to soften up the field. Um, he got reeled back. He was away for a while, a while, but he yeah. got reeled back, hoping that it would soften up the field so that Roglic could go. Mm-hmm. But with about 15 K to go, um, right at the top of this very difficult climb, Julian Alaphilippe just bolted. He like launched at the very top, like right before the top of the climb, he just launched himself. He threw it into the big ring, actually. So mid-climb, they, they did the profile. at When it was 14%, he threw it into the big ring and accelerated. Yeah. Up like the very last pitch was like 20%. Jeez. So an insane he's a attack. gutsy rider. It was oh an insane gosh. attack to I mean, watch. Can yeah. we just all admit, like, even if oh, he's, he's not a your blast favorite, to if he's watch. not your favorite yeah. rider, that's fine. But, like, yeah. he rides... Hard. Oh yeah. yeah. If you yeah, like bike smart, racing, though, you should too, like because him. he can make it work a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So he broke away with 15k to go and about he, 10k to go. Yeah. And he held okay, yeah. everybody off, and he ended up winning by like 20 seconds. Yeah. That's crazy. Which was amazing. Yeah. Now there was a chasing group of six that had Wout Van Aert, Hershey, Roglic. Vogelsong. Vogelsong. And Kwiatkowski. And were Kwiatkowski. They, were they working together so well? Initially, That's the quote, yeah. they, they, were, they were working fairly well to try to bring Alaphilippe back in, but the group quit working together because Wout was in the group, and he could easily out-sprint every person there. And so with, with about 1K to go, when they realized they're not pulling back Alaphilippe, they all gave, gave up, up, and they started... They started playing games. It's weird that with 10K to go, they couldn't catch him. 
Well, Alaphilippe. To me, that is. So Alaphilippe was on something special that day. Because that was strange. Yeah, but I mean, also I think he's just that good at timing the right moves. That guy has down to a science when he can put out the best match. And his match has burned brighter than basically anybody. That breakaway was... I'd put him over anybody for watts per kilo five minute. It's yeah. I, I amazing, don't think anybody's got amazing breakaway at the top of the climb there. Weird still that he couldn't because even even no matter what he he yeah. max put in like thirty seconds to that group maybe yeah. at the uh, top like there. twenty I think is as far as he got so, away. Yeah, twenty yeah. seconds. Give him a nice little twenty thirty second. That group of six should still be able to pull him in. I mean, yeah, because I mean you you, you look at that group. Hershey, God, Hershey, Woot, should, Van Ar- yeah. I mean that group should be able. Kwiatkowski is okay. a former world yeah. champ. So you know what that means? Song was strong. They probably weren't working together as much as we thought because Wout was in the group. Yeah. And now, they're like, we're, all we're going to do is pull. It's also Wout 150 back. miles into this race. Yeah. So the most That's controversial true. thing from this race was that the Belgian cycling fans are roasting Roglic. They yes. are. They may never forgive Primos for that. Now, here's my honest opinion. I think if you're watching that at the end, Primos was tired. That 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 was not him being like, wow, I'm not helping you. I'm playing games okay, right so now. So people may not understand what's he was going toast. on here. So yeah. what's going on? Um, Roglic is riding for Slovenia. Yes. Wout is riding for Belgium. Belgium. Right. They're yes. on different teams for the world championships, but they both ride their Jumbo Visma j- yeah. for Jumbo Only Visma. Only days ago. And they... Wout just sacrificed a lot of his tour yep. capabilities. Everything. And, and so they get in this final six person breakaway and Roglic did not help Wout pull back. Um, Roglic was sitting at the back of the group. He was However, letting everybody cycle in front of him the entire time. He was, he. I, I think he was shattered. He was, I think he was shattered. shattered. Yeah. <laughs> so Wout, after the race, defended yes. Primos and said that was not him playing games. He's like, watch him at the end of that sprint. Roglic, Roglic's quote unquote sprint was him soft pedaling towards it. Like he, the the sprint went and he was like goodbye. Like it was gone. <laughs> well, he um and Roglic said that he was. He had to close a gap after every corner. He was like barely hanging. He did not have the, the legs for it, yeah. so he just could not hang on to the group. Yo yo. But the, the Belgian cycling fans are going nuts on him. Well, whatever. Yeah, I, I think that's ridiculous. Oh, it's really easy to sit from the, the couch and be like, "Why are you not pulling at 154 miles?" The thing <laughs> that blew me away watching the sprint for second place out of this group of six is this whole group of six. They're 400 meters from the finish line. And Wout is on the front. Everybody is behind him. They're all looking at each other, waiting for somebody to go. Wout is in the worst position possible because he's on the front. And finally, Wout just says, screw it. Screw it. And just stood up and went and just rode away from everybody. I love that. He just, he didn't, he didn't slipstream anybody. Hershey couldn't even get on his wheel. Hershey tried so hard to get on his wheel and Wout just like powered away from all of them. It was, it was, it was like that moment when I thought I had Jake set up perfectly and he just rode away from me. It was just amazing that Wout just like, without any draft, any help, just outdid everybody. So, the potential for Wout to win some more world championships is, yeah. or or one day races or monuments. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh, he's winning a couple classics Just this year. Love that guy. He's twenty six. I think he's twenty six. Yeah, he's yeah. got a lot of uh, more, more races ahead of him. More importantly, though, uh, Mike Woods was twelfth. Great performance out of that could wow. yeah. Tell you Not what. <laughs> no, seriously, that guy's going to win some big races this year. He's winning the Vuelta. I'm not even sure if he's racing the Vuelta, but I'm picking him to win it. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Awesome. Bailey out. 
Thanks, champ. What about triathlon news? I don't. Champ? I don't know what Sam Long rides means. bikes fast. <laughs> Sam Long. We can talk about bikes for know. a second with that. Well, okay. So, just for our cycling friends, there was a man who, in the middle of a triathlon in Mexico in 92 degree heat, basically <laughs> rode 52 minute 40 k time trial. That is in the middle of a 56-mile bike ride followed by a half marathon. He did it how fast? 52. 52 minutes for 40K. Oh. That's 29 wow. miles an hour in the middle of that. That's, uh, that's impressive. This man could probably give himself one year and jump onto just about, I would say, 50% of world tour teams and be an effective rollier for him. He's big. He's, he's big. He's a big, for... strong kid. Yeah. yeah. He's lost a lot of weight over the last couple of years, but yeah, he's a big, strong kid. Cool. God. Okay, thanks. You know? <laughs> and his running is coming along. It is. It is. It is. He played football or something? I can't he remember. was a football player yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Triathlon. And that's triathlon. And talk. that's exactly. triathlon. You know, they, they, they make me come to this thing every Monday and then just criticize whatever I bring to the table here. I'm going to be MIA the next few, I think. <laughs> oh, Thank you, Evan. Thank you. Very Evan. insightful. Oh, you're welcome. Good Go stuff. ahead. What are we going to talk about, bikes wise? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about a Patreon update? Oh, yeah. We have a new Patreon as of this morning. Oh, wow. Got a little notification from uh, the old Patreon app that says we've got a new Patreon supporter. Uh, Tintin Quarantino, <laughs> a little play Tintin. on Quentin Tarantino there. <laughs> Tintin Not her sure that is. It's a good play Tintin on Tintin Quarantino. That's a, good... a that's funny though. I like that's that. Good. Yeah. Does that need a laugh track? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tintin Quarantino. All right. I'll stop pushing those buttons. Hey, but anyway, whoever you are, Tintin Quarantino, thank you. That is very nice of you. That's and awesome. I bet you we Tintin went to dialpodcast.com and pulled up the old uh, Dial Podcast webpage that has the little Patreon link on there and clicked on that button and took him over to Patreon and signed himself up or herself up or themselves up. Whoever they are. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, we will do a drawing. Next week. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, you're going to have to tune in next week to hear what that prize is going to be. going to win but some stickers, too, whatever whatever it is. Matt Legrand has some stickers he wants to toss in, and I've got some new shiny, glimmery, hologrammy oh, yeah. dialed stickers oh, yeah, that we yeah. can put in there. Oh, yeah. And we've got podcast stickers and some other stuff. So um, I, I've, I've got some, some new goodies that have been coming into the lab here, so I want to have something that's kind of cool. Um, maybe something that you can slide on your feet or maybe something you can put on your head i don't know we'll figure it out yeah. but you got to come uh you got to listen next week and you'll uh, you'll figure out what that is because we'll do a drawing for it and you'll get that thing if you're the person that's in there and wins that that drawing so love it cool um moving on to our topic for today bike handling the tri- this is where triathlon takeover. Yeah. We're gonna, the triathletes <laughs> When you're know, talking about people who struggle with this. We're going to educate no. the world on bike or we handling. Could, we know Or we could discuss like, Lance descending at almost 40 miles an hour. With a broken bike. front wheel. With a broken front wheel, <laughs> yes. Things so, to not attempt bike handling-wise. Let's jump into some bike handling. Let's, let's first talk about what is it? What is bike handling? Uh, not crashing your bike. <laughs> yeah. It's basically how you can handle your bike without crashing. Um. You know, for confidence on the road, for safety on the road, for, you know, managing people in large groups on the road. Yep. Uh, handling traffic in all kinds of different scenarios, whatever the road throws at you. Yeah. doesn't have to be road, right? Yeah. Because it can be gravel or trail. Proper bike handling can also increase your speed exponentially. Yes. Exactly. Yep. 
Yep. Keeps the rubber side down more frequently, yep. too, if you know how to throw yourself around a bike a little bit. Um, so let's just kind of dive into it. Um, you know, I want to talk to you guys and, and kind of figure out what you think about, you know, how to develop it, how to improve it, and um, why it's important. So, uh, Lance, what do you got on bike handling here for us? Well, you know, this is something I've actually worked on a lot in uh-huh. the last couple years, uh, mostly because... Um, well, you were a triathlete. <laughs> because I was a triathlete. <laughs> Let me talk about that first. Sure. I'll talk about triathlon first. Actually, Evan just stepped out to go to the bathroom. This yep. is exactly when we should talk about triathlon. There it is. <laughs> Evan stepped out. Um. Time trial bikes do not handle well. No. Not one bit. They, they are much more. People wonder why triathletes aren't good bike handlers. And, and pure, most of the reason is if you're used to only riding a time trial bike, you don't, you, you just can't, they don't, they don't, they don't handle as well. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> kind of funny because I deal with a lot of people on bikes in general, right? So a lot of people will come in and they'll see a TT bike and they're like, oh, that looks comfortable. I can rest my arms on it. Right. And, it, and it, it's got this like kind of flashy, cool, like arrow sleek look to it. And, you know, you get to just kind of get in this position where you can just go ride fast and, and be comfortable. They are fast. It is faster. Uh, newsflash, they are not comfortable. Right. <laughs> I actually, I, I ride, was riding TT bikes all the time and I felt very comfortable on that bike before it broke on me but uh i mean but you put in different gobs and gobs and gobs of of hours on it the fit was just dialed in perfectly and i just think that it's one of those things where what you know if you'd asked me like all right go to 100 mile or pick whatever bike you want to i would pick the tt bike but i ride differently on a road bike i ride much more punchy on a road bike Whereas the TT bike, Jake's been on there with me where it's just like, give me that wide open road where there's no turns and you just hunker down and hammer. It's a very different type of riding, I think. Yeah. And so more recently, I've just been doing complete road stuff. And I just was thinking about this the other day on my ride. I was like, oh, I'm always punching. Sure. Um, I always would be punching, you know, 300, 400 watts on my road bike. I've never do that on the TT bike. Right, I just like right, sit down right. 200 watts and like, that's what I would ride constantly right just don't do that on the, the road bike is more fun because it's more agile and you can kind of move it a lot better yes on the road mm-hmm. um so i i completely agree with your point is that the, those bikes don't handle the same way even dodging potholes and other little things it's just different on a tt bike it's a lot harder yeah and maybe that's why t, you know triathletes have that bad reputation for bike handling. I yeah. think that there's probably some truth into the fact that they just have bad handling of bike skills too. Well, I if just, you don't if you don't do a lot of riding on a road bike, you're mm-hmm. and you're you're on your road bike, not your time trial bike. You just don't get the handling get the experience. Chance to experience. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, obviously, would be taking your bike off road. Right? You handle you. You're going to learn different handling skills. You know, I did a lot of cyclocross practices i raced (laughs) once i don't think i learned that much in the race but all the cyclocross practices you learn a ton which is what they were there for they're there to like learn handling skills and all this stuff but in particular like keeping your weight over the bike in certain positions like you sometimes need to get your weight really far back if you're climbing up and you can't uh when you're on a road bike you just think up stand up push through this climb you can't always do that on a cyclocross bike because you lose grip on the back wheel. And Correct. And yeah, your weight transfer is the big. same thing on gravel bikes too. Oftentimes on yep. climbs, you you can't stand up to climb on a gravel climb. You have to keep some weight on that back rear wheel. wheel, otherwise it spins out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think 
that stuff translates over to the road too. Cause even now when I'm climbing up something super steep, I'm like, Oh, let's make sure the back wheel has some grip to it. Yeah. You can move your weight around and you just kind of have a feel for what you need to do. Right. So I think it translates over. And so your question was like bike handling skills. Where do you learn this stuff? So a, a good place to look. And I, I think he's arguably probably one of the best bike handlers I've ever seen would be Peter Sagan. He yeah. comes from a, a, a mountain bike cyclocross yeah, background a does. little bit. And I'm sure Walt's probably right in there with him in terms of bike handling skills. Yeah. Look at the stuff that he avoids. Look at how he just, he never gets tied up and crashes. And in the pro peloton, they crash all the time. Uh, at Paris-Roubaix one year, somebody um, crashed right in front of Peter Sagan. Yeah. He bunny hopped over him. Yep. <laughs> on and cobbles on cobbles it yeah. was like right off on the cobble okay. edge he bunny hopped over him and kept going so let's press yeah. pause on that keep that image in your brain and then l- put right next to that peter sagan riding on his mountain bike as a kid you know going out and jumping off of rocks and, and bunny hopping yep. over logs mm-hmm. and doing yeah. weird terrain and, and having to throw his body in different positions so that he can keep the rubber side down so he can keep the bike moving forward and so yeah. that he can you know have fun and not crash a lot of that comes from that off-road experience that he has, right. and that learn that that teach you teaches you where to put your hands on the bike. That teaches you how much pressure to put on the handlebars. It teaches you where to have your butt in relation to the saddle. It te- teaches you like how high or low that you need to be. I mean, all of these things that you just innately learn while riding off-road. Right translate over to the road when and it's muscle memory by that point too yes. right? You right grew up doing it and then all of a sudden it's like there's a crash in front of you you have no time to think yeah it's just yeah keep, keep the bike up yep yep mm-hmm. correct so that's 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 a good place to start but let's just say that you're not into riding off road that's not your thing that's not your cup of tea how how would you guys recommend that somebody on a, a road bike start to develop those bike handling skills uh one of the things i would do first is actually look for um, YouTube videos on oh. bike handling. I have learned a ton by looking up different videos on bike Do handling. Do look at stuff and then go out and practice? Correct. Okay. Because yeah. I know, you know, you've seen, I don't know, if we, I'll often see like drills and things like that where they'll like have cones and you kind of lean over and pick up things and um, all stuff that I haven't really ever practiced that much unless something was like there and I was trying to grab something. But like, you know how people will go and set up stuff in parking lots and practice bike handling skills. That's something I've never done, but I'm a triathlete. So basic little things like riding on a line or doing figure eights or understanding the difference between steering and turning. I mean, like you're using your body weight and you're shifting your, your, um, you're just, your weight in general is going to help you turn. But you know, then there's times that you actually have to turn the handlebars too. So, so that's that's the first thing that I would do. The second thing I would do, as far as road riding, is is ride with a group, ride with yep. um, yeah. ride with people who are better bike handlers than you, and watch them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you will definitely learn something out. If you're always just riding by yourself, this is a difficult thing to say during the pandemic because we're not really riding with big groups here in the Northwest. And so I worry about my older brother because he rides by himself all the all time. The time. So you just never, never learn from somebody else. And he, yeah. you know, has clip on arrow bars and that's like, and he races, you know, triathlon stuff. Yeah. So it's like, that's all he's going to do. Right. But if he ever comes out here, he's going to come ride with us with the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully we can steer him in the right direction. He won't listen, but <laughs> he's not going to listen to his little brother. No. So that that would be the second thing I would do is is try to find other people to ride with yeah, and watch what they do and how they do it and don't feel 
funny about asking questions or, sure. or how they're doing certain things. Um, the third thing to do is to create a small course for yourself somewhere in a parking lot, um, in uh, around some school grounds when the school is not in session, um, like like a like a local crit track parks or parks or something yeah. that don't have a lot of people in them, where you can practice taking you know taking corners. Um, where you come from the outside, you sweep to the apex and go back to the outside. What's the fastest way to take a corner? Um, what's the safest way to take a corner? How you can move different things. I, I, those types of things will help your bike handling tremendously. I agree. Now, mm -hmm. Evan has been doing fantastic work with a lot of the junior triathletes. Yeah, that's and that's probably yeah. like... I don't know. That's probably like one of the best scenarios that you could be in is the to start multiple group. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to impart your knowledge on those kids. Yeah. What have you been doing with them and, and what kind of successes have you been seeing? Well, so originally, and we've talked about this on this is we, we've gone through some, some crashes with this, with this group and one of them very, um, out of his control you know i mean we we talked about the way that alex went down they're just as jake knows better than anybody there are some situations that when it comes to bike handling or you you just get into a bad situation that's hard to avoid um there are defensive riding techniques though that i know jake jake has discussed in detail and is probably one of the best you know jake and sean martin two of the best here to discuss that and talk about ways to predict bad situations but when it comes just to group riding in general, I think a lot of it with kids at that age, it, it comes with confidence. So it's similar to, and Matt, Matt knows this, it's, it's like getting that triathlete for the first time into a master's group swim or getting them to join a swim team. It's yeah. about just, just doing it. The very first thing is just doing it. So yeah. at that age, you have to be able to formulate kids that trust each other. So if you have kids between the ages of like 14 and 18, they, they need to have friends that they trust to be with because uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, the, the amount of communication that goes on in a group ride that we think, like, we don't need to say cer certain things anymore to each other. Right. You just kind of yeah. know after you've been a decade of riding in groups, you know. That being said, like, when you ride with someone new that you don't know. Your c communication you, becomes a lot more. What important. do you do? Yeah. Right? So, like, so don't you act differently. For for example, the 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 biggest thing that I know I've seen when you're talking about like echelon pace lighting, uh, pace lining, which is let's say you have a crosswind and you're lining out in two lines, and there's a stagger to it. Um, we know you pull out in front for 20 seconds at absolute most. You pull back, and there's this cycle that goes with the wind, basically. Yep. So you know it depends on whether it's right to left or left to right is it, it, the, the wind, the wind yep. pattern. Um, communicating that real time to the kids is important so that they can realize. And the, the, the most important thing from this weekend was we get into a pace line and right away there's gaps that form. The easiest way for them to learn by handling wise that that's not good is that all of a sudden riding becomes a lot harder. So they get dropped off the back. Now, when we regroup, we, you know, uh, Dustin Shockin does a good job of communicating in pace lines because his voice is very loud and mine is not, but we, it's, it's, it's important to show them that, Hey, for this to be easier for you, your, your wheel needs to be slightly off center. Now you need to know which side the wind's coming from. So you know, which side to get on organizing that in a group takes time with kids that age, but they trust each other. This, this group of guys, especially, so they're able to kind of figure that out themselves and they'll communicate and talk to each other because they're not nervous around each other. 
Um, the 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 most interesting thing to watch though is they still have that that young guy's testosterone right. impulse, which is yeah. I want to show these older cyclist guys, whether it's me, Sean, Dustin, and David who are riding with them or who's ever riding with them that day, that I'm really strong. So their first instinct when they get to the front, I have is, that problem still too. Is is <laughs> you'll get I'm, there. You'll get is there. I'm going to blow this up. So yep. so they just get to the front and blow it up. Which when we're talking about bike handling, I think bike handling is easy when you can get repetitions in over time. And if we keep on in these pace lines with guys blowing it up, you're not getting repetitions at right in a tight echelon. Right. You're you're basically getting repetitions at 500 watt efforts, which <laughs> you can do on a trainer if you want to do. So yeah, I think I think with with the kids, if you're you know with a juniors team, you're like, how do these kids get more confident, and comfortable on the bike? It just comes down to repetition at that age, and forcing them to back off sometimes from that instinct of like, I want to break away and blow this ride up. But that's why actually I liked the the race simulation we did on Saturday was because I was at least able to control the front at a pace yeah. where, yeah, sure, they can try and break away, but they're having to group ride because I'm, we're gonna, I'm gonna bring you back every single time. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you get 20 seconds on the wind, you gotta fall back in that group. And now when you're tired, you got a bike handle, which is tough. I mean, we, yep. we we all remember those first times when you're in a group and you're feeling really tired and the lights are starting to go out. That's when bike handling, I think, becomes instinctual. And if it's not instinctual at that point, that's kind of tough. So yeah. it's good practice when your heart rate's at 180, 185. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Matt, you do a lot of riding on a TT bike. And you've, had, you've yeah. got a little YouTube channel where you talk about a lot of triathlon. Do you deal with a lot of new triathletes asking you about how to get better handling yeah well so what was interesting is um we used to have a group ride that we did and we'll bring it back eventually but it was this group ride that we did where it was like tt bikes pace lining um out on vancouver lake which is what we've been talking about and very flat very fast hammer fest right because that's what they're there to do and we would get new riders and we would encourage new riders to come join us uh, but with that, there's, you know, I would say that there's like written rules, but there are rules like if you're in the pace line, you really don't need to be down in your TT bars. Like you need to be able to react. If you're behind somebody right. in the draft, yep. the, don't. the TT bars are a dangerous place to be if you don't have your hands near your brakes. Unless you really trust everybody in that group. Like a team time trial event. <laughs> yeah, unless, That's unless, different. Which is really, unless yeah. Sky, unless Team Sky bought it's, your bicycles. It's fairly, <laughs> safe, on it's fairly safe to say it's like a rule not to do that. Have I broken the rule? Yes, because I've been trying to hang on to Jake's wheel. And <laughs> oh, we've all been there. And and it's a lot easier there. <laughs> really, really hurts. We were talking about lights out and trying to have bike handling skills. Been there. And uh, but like for the most part, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, pretty much as a rule, you would never want to do that. Uh, another thing is you know having headphones in so you can't hear the group when they're yep. you know embarking knowledge on you about you know whatever that's generally a a bad thing to do and and if you break some of these rules you're you know the group's gonna try to drop you or try to avoid you or Or, you're not gonna get get invited back to the group or you'll just get barked at which i think yeah which is the thing is when you're going to a group ride understand so i i I tell this story to anybody who has met him for and he's gonna be fine with me telling this story dustin shocking will rub people the wrong way with how aggressive he is in a group You need, sometimes need somebody like that. Now, I, I came from my original foray into riding was in around military guys in Ohio. So my first group rides were a lot of military dudes. And that was 
there was no like there was no confusion as to what they were asking you to do. Yeah, it was they're asking you to do. If you're not going to do it, we're going to drop you. and We're going to drop you really hard, and you're going to get lost most likely. Would you, would you call it aggressive before GPS? Yeah, before <laughs> I GPS. Did, I did get dropped once on a ride where I was like, I have no idea where I am right now, and this is all my fault <laughs> because I was that little jerk who kept on trying to break, trying away, to break away. And they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to let you do go, that once, and we'll go. And left. then they blew by. No, they just <laughs> oh, they dropped just went by you. <laughs> so, but uh, the very first time I met Dustin was when Jake went to go use the restroom on a ride, which I didn't know that that wasn't Jake breaking away. That's Jake going to go use the restroom. Yeah. And this is in <laughs> February that. when nobody's in good shape. And I'm like, I'm going to dead sprint after Jake here in the middle of some residential area. So sprint after Jake. Dustin decides he's going to lock onto my wheel and berate me for blowing up the group ride, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I think if people understand that, that's just it's just how you communicate when your heart rate's at 160, 170. And that... Sometimes just saying it firmly and not trying to be PC about it is okay. Like you just need to deliver yeah. messages. Yeah. It's don't hard. get offended. It's don't. hard when you're new not to be offended. I know, but I, like it's okay. We we've all everybody at the table's been there before, yep. and you just gotta understand that like, hey, this group will like you one day. Just yeah. deal with the. the I remember the, Bob the, Croucher. The early on. Bob Croucher is probably one of the nicest people I've ever met. He like it was the same thing. It was like um, I got in my arrow bars in the group in the line and he was like get out of your bars you know yelling yep. at me from yep. like a couple people back. back and i did i was like uh okay yeah what? you know you don't know what you're doing right you're just right. like yep. i guess this is not and cool. there you go and you probably remember that you're and like i remember next time this day. Do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now i'm the guy that will Stinky yell at someone croucher. i know yeah <laughs> see it's good yeah i think i think that's sometimes that like really firm just like do not do this it's like all yeah. right I'm going to remember that now because I'm on a bicycle and we're going 25 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <It's a lot. laughs> and then when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that is, that's dumb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, okay, a couple things here, real quick. Uh, let's talk about, like, just on the bike, things to think about, not necessarily jumping logs and rocks and what? all that fun stuff. Let's, let's just talk about, like, just your basic body position on the bike. Where, where should your hands be? Where should your hips be? Where should be on the mm -hmm. saddle? Um, little things like that. Let's start with a road bike for, for starters. Cause mm -hmm. you know, those aren't going to have a dropper post. Nope. Not. Those are going to be, you know, whatever. They're, let's just talk about like, where should your hands be typically? Now you will see a lot of people that will, you know, kind of get down in that arrow position. They'll rest their forearms on the, 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 the handlebars and let their hands dangle over the front. You, you, not when they're following people. Not when they're following people. Maybe when they're out front. front yeah, um, sitting on the top tube. <laughs> not. You, you, yeah, that's not that's not a, a good position to be in because it just takes one little bump in the road. Next thing you know, yeah. you're you know kissing the the asphalt there, slicing your quad on the uh, guardrail. <laughs> Seriously. But yeah. let's just talk about like you know what's best practices for just the standard rider like where should your hands be on the handlebars based on when you're riding and let's just talk about positioning if i'm in a group um i generally don't ride in the drops yeah. i i keep my hands on the hoods with my finger on the brake correct always <laughs> so ready to break always ready to break and and when you're riding in a group and you're behind people and there's people behind you, you do not want to be grabbing your brakes indiscriminately right. because the guy behind you could run into you. Yeah. And so that's a hard thing because it, you're, mm -hmm. if you're used to riding by yourself, yeah, the instinct is like, oh, I can break whenever I want to. And you do. But if but you screw you, up the guy behind you, you really have to learn that like you can't just grab those brakes anytime you want to if someone's behind you. Right. You have yeah. to be like, okay. I'm either going to bunny hop this situation or, right. you know, like try and let people know like, Hey, get, you know, it's almost like right. verbal 
first and then react. So the safest position for me to be able to react to something, especially in a group ride, is hands on the hoods, finger on the brake, um, and and my butt planted firmly in the middle of the seat. Not back on the seat, not forward on the seat, but right in the middle of the seat. Yeah. So that's that's for me. I like that. Those are Uh, contact points. Yeah. Now let's talk about how firmly are you holding on to those bars? Oh, I find that you people grip the bars way harder than they need to. Like you're trying to not break a print. Yeah, you don't need to have a death grip <laughs> yeah. on there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm trying to strangle my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I I learned that quickly when when you ride off road when when you ride yeah. gravel, um, quite often like on a gravel descent you'll hit a washboardy area or a, a a place that looks smooth but is not smooth on the gravel bar. I. I have my hands hovering over the bars. I don't actually grip the bars really heavy, but I have my hands hovering close. So there's like one finger is touching, but the rest of my hands, that bar can like r- rattle wow. around in there. And I'm not, it's not shaking my whole body. It's just the bar is rattling around in here. But I'm, I'm sure enough that if something happens, I can grab the brakes and grab harder. Folks, don't try that at home until you become very skilled on the mountain bike, <laughs> gravel bike, or road bike. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's an advanced move. Not a, not a bad idea. I mean, like, really with, with gravel descents, and I'm terrible at them, but but I know part of the reason I was terrible at gravel descents because I was trying to ride them like I was on a road bike for the longest Can't time. Can't do that. No. So my, my weight positioning for, like, a gravel descent was similar to what I where I would put my weight for a road descent, yeah. which I was also glaringly average at. So yeah. <laughs> when you're... <laughs> Below average at gravel descents and amazingly average at road descents. You kind of <laughs> get to learn where your body needs to be positioned. Sorry, yeah. I, hij- I hijacked the the road bike. Uh, well, fit. Th- that kind of goes in there as well. But just I want to talk about like your hands. Like I think hands on the hoods is probably like your your a number one go to spot, right? Um, being on the drops is good. You just don't have as much control of the the bike. But you're definitely going to help your center of gravity get a little bit lower. Yes. So that, for certain situations, is a good thing. That has to do with bike fit as well. Yes. Um, some and, and people's comfort in the drops. Yeah. So I, I don't have very big hands. And so um, if I'm in the drops, I can't grab my brake right. levers quickly and easy. And most of our brake levers have an adjustment where you can pull them back so they're easier to pull. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, so they're closer to the handlebar, so they're easier to grab. But for me to make that easy for in the drops, um, I max out my, my brakes. Bottom out the brakes. I bottom out the brakes. They hit the bars. So I find, because I don't have big hands, that it's actually more dangerous for me to descend in the drops than to, than to descend in the hoods. Because I, I don't have... You descend on the hoods? I, quite often, if really? unless wow. I'm alone, if I'm in yeah. a group... If I'm following somebody, yeah. I descend in the hoods, on the hoods. I'm bent over further to try to keep more arrow, but gotcha. I descend in the hoods so that I have access to those brakes quickly. God, you still smoke me on descents. Jeez. Whew. I'm always, like, to, to me, actually, being in the drops is more comfortable, but I am able to get, my, my fingers are able to always got, get to the brakes. You break, got longer so. fingers, bigger hands. Than yeah, me. I mean, I have small hands, but long fingers, so, so, yeah. so the fingers can get there. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah. let's say that you're on the road bike, and all of a sudden you come into some really bad road conditions that you didn't see, um, potholes or some debris in the road, and you know that you're going to have to uh, adjust. Um, what are you doing with your butt on the saddle? 
Oh, butt comes right off the saddle oh, okay. immediately. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So you need to get that up, and that gives you a couple different options there too. Like a bunny hop, all of a sudden becomes like, all right, I can do that. If you just keep your butt on the saddle, that ain't gonna happen. You, you're nope. not gonna be able to pull that up. Yeah. So you need to get that up, and then you're gonna need to um, kind of lighten your hands up almost on that front wheel, but you still need to keep uh, a moderate grip on it. I think um, just so that you can kind of let the wheel kind of do its thing, rolling over the the debris or the whatever it is that you're about ready to hit. Yeah. Like if you're just if you're putting too much weight on those handlebars and you're holding on like a death grip on it, that you're going to lose control of the bike. Yes. So, mm-hmm. case in point, my uh-huh. bad crash at training camp. Yeah. This this last year, um, uh, I was following a teammate. We've talked about this a lot. I was going 42 miles an hour, so we were going very fast. We were descending. I'm I'm on teammate's wheel, but just to the outside of him, like like three inches to the outside. And I had all my weight on the handlebars and on the seat. And and I hit something in the road that pitched me forward uh-huh. immediately. That's why I crashed. If I had seen that coming, I could have avoided it or bunny hopped it. Yep. Yeah. I could have, even at that speed, I could have bunny hopped it and been fine. But because I didn't see it coming and I drilled it and I wasn't, I didn't have my butt off the seat, I just got pitched right over the handlebars. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, anything else that you want to, any of you guys want to add in on this? So when we're talking about body positioning into cornering, I think is, is mm-hmm. another, you know, I know, I know we're talking about hand positioning here now too, but if you're going into a corner, it's, it's almost a joke too, that like, you just don't, you're just not in the hoods. If you're, if you're going aggressively into a corner, you need to be in the drops because it drops that, that, that center weight. I know I see a lot of people corner well on the hoods, but I was always taught, especially with crit racing, you're in the drops every single time you hit a corner. That was almost like, like you almost got like berated for that in the group. If you were like the guy on the hoods in the picture, I was like, you just get absolutely just trash in the car. Like there's, I, I corner on the hoods all the time, but, but, but you, I, but you I seem to be comfortable up. in that position. Cause to me, yeah. it's like, if I'm on the hoods, I'm getting dropped out of that corner just cause I'm, I'm, I'm also a taller frame. So I think yeah. for me, it's probably more important to get low. Lance has a pretty low center of gravity. My center of gravity is somewhere around my chest. So it's like <laughs> harder for me just to corner without getting low into the drops yeah. and actually dropping that, that center of gravity. But especially when we're talking about hand position, I actually put like almost 80% of my weight into my butt if I'm going into a corner and the hands are like kind of lightly on the, on the handlebars. I'm not like gripping and forcing my weight forward onto the front wheel. So I don't put the pressure into my butt. I put the pressure into my outward foot. Into your your outward foot. foot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where like the, the vast majority of my weight goes. Um, and I guess I'm a little bit odd like Lance. I, generally yeah. descend on the hoods. Um, and I don't know if that's just from anatomical reasons from having, you know, broken both of my shoulders and rods in my back and may just have, the things of that nature. It may have more to do with your thoracic mobility, actually. It, it might be. Just, I mean, I can yeah. ride in the drops. It's just I feel more comfortable. I feel like Descending I have more yeah. control. Um, uh, just to have my hands on the hoods, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm another one of those people, too, that I get poked at all the time. When we get into a sprint – uh-huh. And you and can you sprint s- off the hoods too. I don't sprint you? off the hoods too. I mean, I yeah. try, I try to practice sprinting in the drops. I feel like I lose power there, and I can yeah. I can get my position moderately arrow, um, pretty close to what you would be if you were in the drops, and that's pretty much the big reason why you want to get yourself down on the drops is yeah. just arrow. But I, I bend over, compensate that way, and then I feel like I can actually generate more power with my hands on the yeah. As long but, as you're low. And I mean, that's that's just the, the, the thing with cornering. It's just as long as you have you lower your center of gravity when you yeah. go into a corner. The, the last thing you want to do is be high, which I when I first started racing and started racing crits, I yeah. was always yeah. 
you look at a picture, I was always the guy who was like a head above everybody else, yeah. which was not good. And another thing, it might be because I'd spent so much time riding a mountain bike for so many years yeah. that I just it's feel, a higher position. Exactly. And yeah. I've always just compensated by, all right, you just lower your torso, yeah. your elbows a little bit more, put yourself in that position. Yeah. Uh, that's just my two cents. But, but anyway. yeah, Jay, 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 Jay with the, the pressure on the outside foot and cornering is big. And that's anybody who's ever crashed in a corner. It's probably, it's probably because of a couple of reasons. One, you either just got unlucky and slid out or because you actually tried to pedal a little bit too early or shift your weight onto the inside foot a little bit too early. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is, you know, I mean, if anybody's ever seen a bad corner crash, it's sometimes the guy who tries to start pedaling a bit too early before he actually comes out of that turn. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You slid out. What was it like two months ago? You yeah. were working with the juniors. Yeah, yeah, and it was where it was on my gravel bike. Uh, what do you think? I'd have like great more grip. Hand, well, and just we, took it too hard. We just did a roundabout and just like just kind of slid out. I think there was a little bit of car oil there. It was it was uh, a pretty wet day too. I yeah. remember that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jay, Jay was with us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what are you doing yeah. over there? Get it was back on your bike. It was it was a slow enough speed <laughs> crash. It was one of those crashes you just like kind of lay down, pick the bike back up, jump back on. You're going like <laughs> six miles an hour wish, on a turn. I wish I had my little laugh track button. I would hit that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> little. Uh, yeah. Oh, and the, and the and the best part of that crash too was you, you know what's funny? I, I remember I crashed once when I was young during a cornering practice kind of team thing gotcha. we did. And then, you know, fast forward 10, 11, 12 years or whatever. And now I'm like trying to teach juniors how to do it and also lay the bike down. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just need to not follow my line through corners. Is what you so there are some things with respect to your bike that's going to help you have better bike handling skills. And mm -hmm. some of those things might be like tire pressure. It yep, might yeah. be a proper bike fit. It might be, yeah. you know, the kinds of surfaces that you're riding on, making sure that you have the right kinds of tires on there. Yeah. That all can make a huge difference. Like if you're trying to ride... Uh, we'll just say like your road bike on a gravel ride. Obviously, you're not going to have the same traction as if you're going to have a like a 40 mil tire on there that's going right. to give you a lot more like traction and things of that nature, and it's not going to wash out as easily. So those are some basic things. Are, are there any other little bike-related things that you can think of? Dropper post. Dropper post. <laughs> dropper posts. I have a dropper post on my mountain bike and my gravel bike. You're adding it to your road bike. And I would love to have it on <laughs> That was where bike. I was going with that question. <laughs> Do you think that there's a place in – on a road bike to put a dropper post on there to get yourself lower. So you've got guys sitting on that top tube all the time on the descents. Why not come up with something that doesn't add that much weight to the bike? Oh, and be able to drop to the bike it, though. Because it does add weight to the bike. Well, come and on, come sitting on, on the top NASA tube Come is... up with some sort of helium filled super True. Card, I don't know. <laughs> a dropper post would be much oil. safer than sitting on the top tube. Yeah. Sitting on the top tube is four, three, four inches lower than even with a dropper post. Yep. And so you can get a little lower and more arrow. So guys will do it either way. Yeah. It they would do it matter. either way. They're going to do it either way. I tell you, I, um, I, I struggled with whether I should put one on my gravel bike and I love having the dropper post on my gravel yeah. bike because every time it gets sketchy, it, if you mountain bike enough, you realize how beneficial a dropper post is for cornering. I, I don't even understand why. I, like, I, here's the thing. I'm I'm like the triathlete guy, right? Like, when would you use this? So it's I it's now. it's yeah, right? I have no clue. It's all descending. All descending. All descending. If you're get low, it, it it's not just low. It's weight back. Right. To to get your weight back over a seat that is not dropped down is very oh. difficult. You can't get it back far enough. the The seat is hitting you in the nether regions. Yeah. Hoo ha! <laughs> <laughs> so, so if Not you fun. if you drop your seat, you know, fifty millimeters or five then centimeters, your butt all, is like over the back tire. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Your the seat is sitting near your stomach. 
right? Because you're way back, and all of a sudden, it's way easier to descend things. And even having, if you do, if there's like tight whoop corners, like like S corners that are really tight, if your seat is down and your weight is back, it's really easy to take the corners way faster than if you're sitting up front and up over the top yeah. of the bars. So you go over. Yeah, because you go over. Your center of gravity is more forward. With the seat drop down, your and your body, the behind the seat, you can take the corners faster and you can just descend faster. Now on a gravel bike, when do you find yourself using it? Because difficult it- descents. Okay. So a straight up right you know, straight descent on a gravel road? No. 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 But oftentimes in these gravel races or even on your on gravel rides, you'll hit a crazy difficult section that is very steep. And boy, you just drop the seat post down and you get your weight back further and all of a sudden, bing, you just rip through through it. it. Yeah, you just rip through it. Or if you're trying to be more aerodynamic and you're sitting on the top tube on a gravel ride is pretty sketch. Pretty sketch. I'm sure you've done it. I I have and I don't do it anymore because there's you just never know what's coming on a gravel road. You're always watching for that one odd boulder or pothole or... Something because on gravel roads you right can run into any of that stuff. Oh yeah. But with a dropper post, I drop my seat down and I sit on the seat with with my weight down and and suddenly I'm more aero, so I'm going faster and I'm still in a position to bunny hop stuff if I need to. If yeah. if you're if you're on the top tube, you cannot bunny hop. Right. <laughs> but with the with your seat <laughs> dropped, you still can. Don't tell, don't tell the the pro peloton that. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure those guys could probably bunny hop somehow. You watch them every the time. Tube. Every yeah. time they come to something, they all pop they up. They pop up. Yeah. Yeah. They get off the top tube. Yeah. So those it's, guys get on the top tube even on like like it just random situations. Like you're, they're hitting like a, a hard left turn. They're just like on yeah. the top tube, lean the bike somehow. It's amazing. It's I've like done watching a, motocross. I've done a lot of descending on the top tube and taking corners is scary because you have so much weight on that front wheel watching the tour i saw so many of those guys on the top tube look a little shaky yes you you're not look good no you 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 are squirrelier because all your weight is forward on that it's like it's like you're on a time trial see i just i i just hold the flat (laughs) bar all the way at the stem and just get my chin onto my hands but keep my butt on the seat so that if if something bad is about to happen, I can at least get my hands out to the bars and well, not have to worry about where my butt is. I keep my hands on the brakes even on yeah, and, yeah. when I'm sitting on the top tube. It's probably smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, r- real quick, this is n- not talking I'm about going what, off. No, Sorry. it's all right. No, <laughs> it has nothing to do with what you were just talking about. But I just wanted to come back to riding in a, in a group or a pace line. I just had a quick question for you. Um, let's say that you're at the front of the the group that you're riding with. And you're coming into a climb and all of a sudden said climb gets pretty steep and everybody's still kind of in pace line format. You probably will at some point in time get out of the saddle, correct? And yeah. then if you were second wheel, it's not really bike handling. It's more of like just knowing about bike positioning. It's awareness. Etiquette. Yeah. It's etiquette. Just know that if somebody's going to get out of the saddle... The second they get out of the saddle, their bike is going to drop back a it's couple of like inches. Lurch back. It lurch lurches back. back. Yep. And if you're not ready for that and you're, you're going to clip their wheel. Exactly. Yep. You're hugging mm-hmm. that. You're going to have to quickly learn how to handle your bike because you just mm-hmm. had somebody potentially take out your front wheel or bump you or yeah. do something that's going to cause. 
not good things. It is Some, a, it is a skill to learn how to get out of the saddle yeah. without the lurching lurch. back, without the lurch back, trying to keep your momentum going the same forward instead of lurching back when you get out of the saddle yeah that's that, something that some i practice. try and work on all the time especially if somebody's on your wheel yeah i can remember when i first started doing group rides and i remember there's a section that we used to do when i lived down in southern california and there was a bunch of like you know skilled cyclists that i rode with and they had many 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 years of riding on me and i remember like trying to push the line and i'm trying to keep pace up and i'm trying to keep the speed up and we'd hit some like rollers and i come out of the saddle and i would always get yelled at like don't lurch back don't do that yeah. when you're up there so it's like all right well you can still do that it's just a matter of like having to put down some serious power before you come up and it just becomes part of like a, a oh, okay a pedal stroke and yes. then you like and at the same time that you're um kind of surging forward you that's when you come out of the saddle and you kind of keep that and you don't really fall back you might still just a tiny bit but you don't have so that surge a back. little bit more power before standing up yes gets you and that get, gives probably a little bit of a gap to the person in second as well yes so if you put 500 watts down for a second and then stand up and right. put 500 watts it in. just it almost negates that fallback yeah so yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. I don't know. That was just something I wanted to put out there. All right, Evan, I've got another question for you, and then mm-hmm. we'll try and wrap this thing up real quick. Yeah. What are some things that we could do off the bike to help us handle our bike? Handling on the bike, yeah. So I'm thinking about some stuff that can possibly be done down here at the Dial Endurance Lab with respect oh, to yeah. working on Come on down. Working on my balance, <laughs> working on my core, my flexibility, my proprioception. So, so it's interesting. I, I was just having this conversation actually over the weekend. Um, I actually think it may – what was it with Sean Martin? It may, it, it may have been with Sean. Uh-huh. Talking about how differently just the elite cyclists train now compared to how they did in the 60s and 70s. And this is just looking at athletes in general. In the 60s and 70s, strength training was not really something I think a lot of athletes were putting into their, their resume, you know, in, into their routine. So looking at guys like Peter Sagan, um, John Dagenkolb is actually a great example, um, and a few others that are these great one day guys i'm not sure how much some of the grand tour guys are i know roglic does a ton of strength training yeah but i think roglic is a little bit new he's he's from that skiing background and i think roglic is going to bring in a little bit more strength training focus into those grand tour type riders um lance armstrong famously did a lot of strength training as well um there's definitely benefits when you're talking about purely power profile development but more importantly is to how does Peter Sagan and Caleb Ewan look so comfortable sprinting at 42 miles an hour between guys? Yeah. Their proprioception, which is your body's sense of where you are in space, uh-huh. and power production from that proprioception is why Caleb Ewan wins races. Right. Yeah. Outside yeah. the fact that he's incredibly fast, so is everybody else that he's sprinting against. Pocket rocket, yep. Yeah. What, what makes Caleb Ewan different? People are like, oh, it's because he's small and he can get in those spaces. There's plenty of small guys out there. What he does is incredible in the sense that he's able to whip the bike side to side. The amount of core control and balance that takes is amazing. If you're thinking, okay, I want to strength train specifically for cycling, you need to be very strong in a single leg stance in deep knee flexion. So for example, just think of like a pistol squat. Uh, I mean, if you look at Peter Sagan's uh, Instagram, he's doing crazy strength training stuff all the time. I think the most ridiculous thing I saw is he had somebody load up a back squat on him and he was standing on a Theraball. Not a Bosu ball. He was standing on a Thera ball, which is the round ball that you sit on if you're working from home and your back hurts. He was standing on that with like 225 pounds on his back. That is a deep knee flexion position. And when we're talking about proprioception, that means his hip, knees, and ankles have to be incredibly aware of where they are in space at all times. Yep. 
So how does he weave in and out while putting out 1,500 watts? The guy trains it off the bike. Right. Yes, it is. You have to practice it on the bike. But if you're somebody who that does not come down, if, if you're not the, the level of athlete Peter Sagan is, you can train that through improving that, that ability to descend into knee flexion under stress and stay balanced. Because that's basically, I mean, when you talk about, imagine right now everybody's picturing a sprinter. Imagine how much canter there is in that bike. That, that, that means kind of a diagonal angle. There's a reason you can put out more power into a bike outdoors than indoors. Indoors, my trainer, well, I guess some of the new trainers do this. Imagine your old fluid trainer. That thing does not whip back and forth side to side. You can't engage your core. You can't pull back on the bike. You can't put it at an angle to where your, your power's going through at a more like just straight down. That's, you, you don't get that on an indoor trainer. This is why when you go outside, you can put out your max watt sprint, go inside, and it's like 400 watts less inside. Right. Mm-hmm. But you do that, you can improve that through things outside of just sprinting on the bike. There's balance training. You know, I'll, I'll use a classic example, like a Romanian deadlift to pistol squat combination. Everything like that does improve that ability to rip the bike back and forth and produce power into it. Where do I sign up? take my money come on to dial endurance lab there you go (laughs) the instagrams the facebookies the google all those things yeah find us and then you'll probably just end up talking to me at some point we'll set some up (laughs) awesome anything else rollers we never talked about rollers that's a good one i uh use rollers for like a winter when i maybe like the second year i was biking consistently and man that made a huge difference you're a champ i've never even ridden rollers before well, the rollers I have are like pretty lenient and mm-hmm. uh, you just, you you learn all that like core strength and, and stuff just because you have to, to stand up Yeah, and it's great. And you do that for a little while and then like, it's neat to see someone, you know, go through that winter of training, right? Gotcha. Like it's like totally different biker. Yeah. I would really highly recommend wherever you're at, go see if you can seek out like a club or some yeah. sort of person that, that puts on clinics for riding off road right i really think that that mm-hmm. pays such big dividends it's fun too because you get to be on a bike and you get to go out and you get to do different things and you get to become skilled at riding in a different kind mm-hmm. of terrain so that you can kind of break up the monotony but learning how to to position yourself how to bunny hop how to like pull the wheel up on over things um all that like turning versus um steering the whole bit mm-hmm. You can learn it in that kind of a situation. And I think that those are really valuable. So seek some of those out. And heck, maybe we need to start putting something like that together. The Lance Hepler School of Bunny Hopping and (laughs) Hepler's School of Fun. Do you know how I've learned? Everybody jump in the van. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sounds sketchy. I I hate to say this, but I think I'm a pretty good bike handler. And the reason I think I'm a pretty good bike handler is because I've crashed so many times that I've learned. Where nope, don't do that. Where Break. the limits are. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> where the edges are. You know? I think I think crash this is a tough conversation I've had to have yeah. with some of the young kids is I know it's scary, but crashing is kind of important. It's part it's have you guys ever met a cyclist who's road raced consistently who's been like, Yeah, I went like three, four years and didn't crash. That that like does not happen. Yeah. I'd love to hear somebody's comment who's gone three, four consistent yeah. years of racing without crashing. Not very often. No. It's yeah. it's also good to like in <laughs> the races crash and have bumps bruises and the road rash scar such you kind of realize like it takes some of the fear away from it now i know that we have somebody at the table who's gone through 
much worse. But when we're talking yeah. like in race crashes that you kind of survive and like are able to go through, been there. I think it starts to take a little bit of that edge away from. Oh, I don't want. I want to be careful into this corner because I'm afraid to slide out. Right. Once you slide out a couple times and you're like, yeah, sleeping was tough for like four or five days, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. after that, yeah. it takes some of the fear away. Always keep your eyes up, too, folks. Um, oh, yeah. Pay attention. There's a lot of things that we hit that cause us to go down, yeah. and we hit those things because we just didn't see them. You know, like pine needles on the road, sand on the road, water on the road, uh, soap if you're racing in, in big stage races on the yeah. road. Um, look out for that kind of <laughs> stuff. Soap sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> and just try not to, to hit that stuff You're screwed in the first if you place. hit soap. There's yeah. nothing you can do if you hit soap. You're so. going down. <laughs> Story time. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. Here we go. Last week... Um, I, I did this ride called the Wasatch Crest. It goes basically from Park City into Salt Lake. It was mountain biking. Um, we went from the top of Guardsman Pass all the way down into the sandy area of Utah. It's a mountain bike ride. Sure. Uh, absolutely beautiful ride, all, mostly all single track, and it was kind of ripping fast. I'm riding with a buddy of mine, Jason Woodland, and his son, Jackson, and his daughter. So there were four of us. Me and the son kind of got f- way further ahead of the um, group, yeah. of the group, and I'm cruising along on this. I I we'd done a ton of downhill, a ton of sketchy stuff. I'd never crashed at all. I'm going along this single track trail, and I turn around to see where Jackson is to see if he is close to me, and immediately rode right off the trail <laughs> and just <laughs> crashed into the dirt. Just. I mean, I turned around for two seconds, yeah. turned my head just to see if I could see, where's Jackson at? Is he close to me? And wham, I immediately The worst part crashed. is, is you probably did that like a dozen other times and had no consequences. And yes. then it's like. The one time just, I just went just off the trail enough that I, I couldn't save yeah. it and per- turfed. Yep. Looking over your shoulders, a, a learned skill for yeah. sure. Because your Especially body's going to veer and yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, I'm still crashing. Yay. See, but that's actually important. I mean, when we talk about biking, it's just being able to look both ways and then not only being able to look both ways, also being able to like grab bottles with both hands. Yeah. Got, you know, it's funny. I had a friend of mine who was, um, uh, she raced at a pretty high level for a while and she had kind of an embarrassing little deficit in her bike handling skills that like she would not grab bottles with her right hand for the longest time. Huh. And then she got into, I forget what big race it was, but she was, she was racing with the Conti team. And she had to, in the training up to that race, had to practice because anybody who's ever been in a big race before knows bottle hand ups are on what side? Right, right side. side. She yeah. had to get, she had never taken a bottle hand up. She'd won one, two races. Never oh, wow. taken a bottle hand up right. on the right side. Right. Everybody who knew her would, uh, during these bigger races, run to her left side and give her the bottle. <laughs> so she had to like practice for a month just, and she ended up getting comfortable with it. That was a big moment for her when she was like able at 20 miles an hour to take a bottle hand up on the right side. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Good story. One last thing. One last thing. Who wants to go first? Oh, Matt. GoPro video, people. We were talking about it before the podcast. I started watching that. Did it you? was really cool. I, I, it was like a 20-minute video. I only saw long. the first five minutes, but it was very helpful. I like that video a lot, Matt. Yeah. And I told you that before the podcast. That's one of your better videos. I think you did a really good job with it. I I don't know if it's one of my best videos. I always – I don't know. I'm, I'm a big critic of my stuff, but it's – you it's had there. this transition in in the oh, pool area yeah. where a guy walked across the front yeah, of the screen. That was me. Yeah, dude, I, I thought it was lame. The transition was the really. Tra- I was like, like wow. I thought the point. transition cool. was a little bit lame. I thought it was cool. I think I think what you could have done there was you could have had like a wave kind of like crash Whoosh. in and then into the pool, just like, 
and then Matt just like I've had a transition before where the GoPro's on the edge of the pool and you know I do like a kickflip or something like that and the water comes down and it like oh I think I washes re- into some other part of the video <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh, anyway so if you guys are interested in the GoPro Hero 9 that was just released last week I picked one up and I made a review of it I did the unboxing bit you can check all of that out on the YouTube's that's youtube.com slash Imlagrand. How much do you like that thing? Uh, it's good. I mean, I, I I kind of, I feel like I rushed that video out. I haven't had that much time to play with it. It's, really? Uh, I mean, I haven't been using the front-facing camera. I think it's a good thing because you can frame your shots. I think it's a, a little bit bigger camera. You know, that's like what you first notice when you play with it. But I don't think the size is going to bother me at all. I think the quality looks good. Stabilization looks great. Uh, 5K is great. I mean, I don't think 5K that you necessarily need 5K versus 4K because um, you're never going to notice the difference. But I, I always love having the extra resolution because you can reframe shots. Yes. And right. so um, people are always like, you don't need 4K. 4K is stupid. All you need is 1080p. And I'm like, that's fine. Make everything in 1080p. But if you have 4K, then you can reframe your 1080p into whatever you, you, know, yeah. you want. Add you can motion film, to the videos. Yeah, you yeah. can add motion to the videos, all this stuff. Uh, and so I, I like the camera. I was kind of planning on picking up whatever GoPro released next because I was on the GoPro 7 and I use these cameras a lot. Um, and so they released the 9, ordered it right away in the first day. I almost didn't because the batteries don't, you know, they're, they're inconsistent with the previous they're version's new batteries. battery size. But I just went for it. And you do get more battery life that's something along the lines of 30% more battery life. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, but... I, I mean, I love being able to have four old batteries that I can switch out with all the other stuff that I have. And so having the new battery, and I bought the new charger piece for the battery, you know, which I think you need to do because you need more than one battery. Yeah. So, Well, this is the third iteration in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Not like, in a well, row, no, but hold on. batteries. You can't use a GoPro Hero 7 and a Hero 8. The batteries you can't? No. Oh. They're slightly different. So You're kidding me. No. So if I'm not, sure? I'm, I'm pretty sure. That. This is a 7. Yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure that well, you can... We're going to check out for the I podcast. I think you can use an 8 and a 7, but you can't use a 7 and an 8, and then obviously you can't use any of them in a 9. So my... my Arizona an omission. Sure. Put, put, them, on, put yeah. them on standby. <laughs> I think 6 and 7 are all in the same battery. Maybe 5, 6, seven. Same size, but yeah. I don't think that they work with the different cameras. Maybe the 5 is the old one where the charging thing was flipped. Yeah. Anyway, um, the new batteries, they look good. I don't know. I mean, it's a pain to deal with lots of different batteries, but it's not a deal breaker. Yeah. And they upped the price. So it's not, I mean, they did something else that's a little bit creepy, which is they um, they have this GoPro Plus service. And they're like, we're going to make this um, GoPro cost more. $450, the big price tag for this. But for you can have $100 off if you sign up for their GoPro Plus membership. So everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to do that. But then if you read the fine print, if you cancel the membership, which is like what normal people would do, like I'm going to sign up for this thing and I'll cancel it so that I don't get charged the next year. Yeah they will charge your credit card the difference for the discount of the camera that you bought. Oh, that's not cool. So it's like you thought you had this $100 discount. They're going to charge you that $100 back if you cancel that GoPro Plus membership. Yeah, that's My uh, recommendation on the video is literally for people to use one of those prepaid cards, sign up for that, sign up for the membership. When it expires, they'll try to charge your card. It won't work. Move on with life. <laughs> that's smart. Which I, I, didn't, I didn't do that, but Oprah I wish I had. With Matt. Yeah. I wish I wish oh. I had done that. 
but Mash is getting videos taken off of YouTube all the time. He's got Trek chasing his videos. He's got <laughs> right. Iron Man chasing his videos. People, now GoPros. people hate me. People, people hate me. The, the, the most hated man on YouTube, yeah. Matt How can you hate those baby blue eyes? Baby blue eyes. <laughs> I have a whole Iron bunch. Iron Man, Trek, and GoPro do. I, um, I have a whole bunch of watch reviews coming out. I hate to do tons of product reviews because I feel like that's not exactly what the channel is supposed to be. But um, Garmin 745, I'm looking at a whole bunch of different colors right now, and I am excited to take one of those home. The Garmin 745 is the new triathlon watch, and it's a slightly better price than the top of the line 945. Uh, so I'm excited to review that one coming up, probably in a that. probably in the next week. I think I'll be able to yeah. try and get that out. And then the um, there's some other companies that have some more releases coming soon. Uh, and uh, I have another fun video coming out where we talk about who I think would have won in Kona. So I'm, oh, I, I love that video. I think that's actually... Can I be a part of that video somehow? I, I really wanted to... take hot takes? <laughs> I wanted to... We could, you know, we should have a Kona takeover or uh-huh. something. But I wanted to... Daniela Reef to do, wouldn't be in the top 10. Boom, hot take. That is... Oh. That's, that's yeah. incorrect. <laughs> uh, but what I wanted to do was have like pro triathletes put in their predictions for who they think would have won. And I don't think that I'll ever get to that this year. It's going to have... I'm going to save that for next year. Yeah. So. Cool. It's an awesome video idea. Yeah, we'll do it. Price, Eventually. one last thing. Uh, does anybody have any good eye doctors locally? That's my oh. one last thing is please comment on this video with your favorite local eye doctor. <laughs> good question. My eyes are bad, and I am running very low on contacts. I like, read a Google review about you having, like, god-awful, terrible very, eyes. I have very, very bad eyesight. <laughs> this is what— Great physical therapist, people who, people who ride with me have decided that the reason I am I am a solid C-plus at descending is because yeah. I have very bad depth, uh, depth perception. Actually, a huge part of bike handling has to do with vision. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you I'm sure, I'm sure to if you talk to Julian Alaphilippe, he doesn't have my vision. I can promise you that much. <laughs> Ask my wife, too, because she'll, she'll have some that's, ideas. That's, that's what I was going to ask was okay. Kristen. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Because I need to go see somebody. It's been a while since I got a yep. new contact script. Maybe it. it'll just be amazing. Uh, descending right after that that's possible it's like gain five miles an hour descending. at least, at at least. least. yeah <laughs> it makes you more aerodynamic good it does vision. yeah good contacts make you more aerodynamic <laughs> cool yep um i i the reason i am sitting here today is because i came back from utah because to pick up my cyclocross bikes because there is potential for some racing in what? utah oh so there is a company that is doing um quick steal one of his cycle bike he has to come back <laughs> we'll give it to you next monday there's a company doing some cyclocross races they're smaller races um yeah. around the salt lake uh, ogden area and uh, i'm gonna go see if they look safe enough to participate in and maybe do a couple cyclocross races so so you're back for 48 hours to pick up bikes and you're heading back to utah that's correct dang it that's the plan there's also um the Belgian Waffle Ride is a very popular gravel race that happens in San Diego. This year they had three races happening, one in San Diego, one in North Carolina, and one in Cedar City, Utah. Oh, yeah. The uh, the South one and the San Diego one both was can- were canceled, but the Cedar City one is still happening. You got Okay, so here's my question for you. You've got to pick up two bikes. Yep. And you only have so much space in the van. Correct. Which bikes are you leaving home? Um, Brandy's I mean, bikes. <laughs> <laughs> which bikes are you leaving in my garage? This is a very difficult conversation. I know, right? Is Brandy going with you? Yeah, she's definitely Uh-oh. going with me because I might be gone for months. Shh. There's a possibility I'm gone for months. 
Seriously. Yeah. Why don't you just all like, the cyclocross <clears throat> races? fly back and forth? Um, you could fly back for the Monday podcast. Because in, in between the races, we might go down to St. George where it's 85 degrees and hang out for a couple uh. days and then come back up and do the races. Um, no, I will be either taking a trailer or, oh. the, or the hitch rack <laughs> with, all with extra bikes. bikes so that we have all Are the you guys going to rent us. a place? No, I know enough people with uh, garages and space so that we yeah. Hey, I need to use your shower. Uh, yeah. Hey, open the door, shower. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know enough people, and I've got two kids that live there, and they yeah. both have houses, and so um, we'll be able we'll be able to stow stuff. Yeah, I think so. So we'll see what Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe after Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness! Jeez, <laughs> it just depends on if the races are safe, if it's fun, yeah. if it's all working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of do want to come back in October to pick up my ballot and make sure I vote. Uh-huh. So we might have to make a return trip for to okay. put my ballot in. We'll anyway. take we'll take you however we can get you. Okay. That's cool. it. <laughs> um real quick before my one last thing. Um those Hero eight the, the GoPro Hero eight. Seven, eight. So you've got the GoPro Hero eight. The older batteries will work in them, but there's certain limitations and functions that don't work because of really? performance stuff. So they recommend that um, you do use the they Hero eight battery. So weird. You know, that's what I just read. So interesting. Um, my one last thing is our first uh, dialed cycling YouTube video will be out. Before this podcast goes ah, live, no Wednesday. Way. Yes, fantastic. Really. It's okay. it's about ninety nine point three percent done. We gotta just, I gotta just There's, put in a couple little things. Okay, so when you do have the video finished, yeah. keep in mind that you've got to make the thumbnail. You've got to, you know, upload that. You got to put all the, you know, information into the thing, all the tags, done. all done. the descriptions. Done. Okay, never mind. You're done. Ninety nine point three percent done. I just gotta <laughs> add some stuff, and I wanted Lance to take a look at him. Hey, I might even how have did, you take a peek at it. How as did well. you? Okay, so you've. Uploaded, it just hasn't been set as public, basically. No, it's not. The video's not. I haven't public. uploaded it to you YouTube just, yet. The you have all of that done. stuff written to the site, all the tags. Yes. I do that stuff like while it's uploading. You're way ahead of me. Yeah. Way ahead. I have to because it takes forever and I don't have a lot of time. Yeah. So, anyway, that should be fun. And we've cool. got four other ones in the. Th- no, three other ones in the can. So, we've got some stuff to post up i guess i'll just be flying solo on these or jake and i've been having fun making these videos you, uh, but if i'm not around if we can't make videos together sub 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 me in sub me in we might have to Put sub me in, coach me. are you um thinking like once a week once a month maybe by week it would be fun to do once a week i don't know if that's realistic it just has a lot to do with how things go down here at the sure. lab but yep. we're doing good we're getting caught up on stuff um i want to make that i want to make that happen and the the ones that we've done so far have been a little bit long. Um, right. I think that we could probably trim because I can't a bit. shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's both of us, to be honest with you. It's like a, yeah. set, you know, start. Why don't you start every other week and then go from there? You can always add more. Yeah. It's always easy to add more. It's little. You feel you feel guilty when you start taking things away. Like, yeah, I'm gonna post instead of posting every week. I'm gonna post every two weeks. Well, people get yeah. people get cranky. Like Evan yeah. gets mad when I don't post a video. <laughs> I text him. What's that, GoPro video? Come on. (laughs) Come on, man. This is a triathlon channel. Come on. Talk about practice. What you talking about? (laughs) All right. Anyway, um, so yeah, that should be out this week, and we uh, will post more soon. Exciting. So, good times. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, Sorry for such another long podcast, but hey, you know, all of us, we can't shut up. Wait, I got another story to tell. (laughs) Wait a minute. I'm just kidding. All right. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.